This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And I'm running on fumes, lads. Don't know about you, it's been a busy weekend. You're registered yeah. to vote. I don't know. I've got nothing else to talk to you about, really. We uh, saw lots of each other yesterday, uh, but plenty more to, to chat about today if we can uh, make it through these next two hours. Sometimes when we're doing like prep for these shows, there's like, oh, there's been bugger all on. Like, really not much. And then this weekend went slightly batshit. And you did Tetsujin as well. Mm. I mean, all I did was the the one show on the Sunday and obviously watching stuff. And that's nearly killed me. Mm. I feel like I'm I'm broken today. It's going to be a much sort of less... Well, I don't know. We'll get wound up about something <laughs> at some point. But slightly less exuberant mm. at the moment than it normally would be. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like, I'm ruined on fumes. Like, I... I can't, I'm too old, JP, 35 at this point. I went out went out Wednesday, I went out Friday, I went out Saturday, and I went out Sunday as well. And it's Monday Jesus. today. I ended up taking the afternoon off work today because I just couldn't survive. I'm going to Berlin on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I had a little bit of a nap, so I'm feel, feeling good again. But, you know, got the got, the, got lo- lots to talk about and uh, lots to, to get us motivated. You doing any better, Joe? Um, I'm knackered, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you went out on Wednesday. Yeah, I went to Manchester to go to a gig. Uh, see a band called Low Roar that I was supposed to see. Well, it's not really a band, it's like a man. I was meant to see him in Poland last year and he, uh, we didn't make it to it. So he was uh, back in the Manchester area. So I went Wednesday, went to the uh, the Piccadilly Tap, uh, which is a, a good bar. I went back to on Friday when I went to Tetsujin as well. But yeah, I was dead in work Thursday and yeah, I'd have to... I'm still chasing my tail. I've not caught up back with myself yet. Uh, I did manage. Uh, saying that, though, we had a, quite a few good beers, didn't we? In the what was the the, the tap room we went to near York Hall on Sunday? Um, did that? Kind yeah. of Once we got into the venue, it's Doom Bar and Carling as your beer choices. So I kind of stopped at that point. So I don't know if I should be feeling as bad as I am, but yeah, definitely still feeling pretty hungover. Well, considering where Tetsujin was held, and that's a lovely uh, craft brewery in there. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's it, the best. It is. It's it's the one thing that I'm kind of hoping starts to become out out of the, the, the ashes of Britress. Mm. Throw, throw that in there straight away. Um, that somehow wrestling in craft breweries becomes a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a Fairfield Social Club, the venue. Like, I'll be talking about Tetsujin in more detail later. But yeah, this is where, because uh, you guys came up, didn't you, when we did the uh, ferry across the Mersey weekend and we went to see Future Shock at the uh, the Fairfield Social Club. Uh, yeah, it's got a little, nice little food store selling selling katsu chicken curry burgers. Me and we make collard. Uh, unfortunately, just been to a Japanese restaurant and dropped £25 on a... On a katsu chain curry meal. Uh, I was very sad when I got there to realise what I could have won. Uh, but yeah, they've got like a, a full on like a list of, of guest beers and, and different taps and stuff. And yeah, it definitely, it makes for a messy evening. But yeah, it's probably at this point, maybe holds 200, 250 people. But at this point, my favourite, favourite venue in, uh, in British wrestling. Oh, it's absolutely cracking. I mean, even the one show there on a Sunday afternoon, really nice kind of relaxed vibe. Mm. Some some good beers. You two are much more kind of into the craft brewery side of things than me. But mm. um, it's one of these kind of tie-ins you want on a regular basis, especially when you drink that, generally that piss at York Hall. It's so bad. It's so bad. I stopped drinking, which yeah. you get. Yeah, I can't tolerate it. Yeah. yeah, I've taken your your advice on that, Joe. That's it. I have a, have a nice couple of beers before you go in. 
you know, update your untapped app. But once you get into your call, one, it's not worth the queue, and two, it's just shite, isn't it? But they save up to you when you get there, and five or six pounds for the privilege as well. It's yeah, they're, they're catering to the boxing crowd. Mm. Yeah. Who yeah. want their Carlin? Yeah. Their, their oh, you want Carlin, mate? It's all over the place. Yeah. 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 Does, anyone, <laughs> does anyone like Carlin? Like, feels like idiots. It's ridiculously popular, isn't it, considering how bad it is as a drink? Mate, people who bo- bo- base their vote in a general election on a man having funny hair and getting something done, apparently, which won't be done for a long time. Those are the people that drink Carling. Yeah. <laughs> like your neighbours. Oh, they are definitely Carling drinkers. Like, without, without a doubt. I saw one of them had a poppy on his dashboard yesterday. It's not like, it like two weeks ago. He's still still repping two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a look at the um, next time I have to go and do the bins. I'll see if I can notice any beer cans in the bins, and I'll mm. let you know. Probably Carlin, Foster's, Carlsberg, basically the the, the shite end of a lager scale. Let's Hofmeister. That doesn't exist anymore. No. A little bit with a pork pie hat. Yeah, vile stuff. Yeah, I remember my dad drinking it back in yeah. the day. There's it was a- like the little bear in the port by had taking a slash into your fucking glass as well. It tasted <laughs> like it was vile stuff. But <laughs> from one night at a university bar where I, where I worked, where they had pound a pint of Hofmeister, which still for a quid you're being ripped off, mm. and also pound a pint of cider. And where I went to uni, Brunel was like a big um, kind of uh, um, like rugby place. So lots of rugby players. So you fit right in. Making two pints of snake bite. With with a with a lager and that the fucking fights that night, Jesus! Was that all your Tory mates? Was it? it what the Brunel? Lads, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know really what they. I, I they didn't seem like a lot who were politically aware at that stage of their lives. Okay, yeah, and ironically, it would have been like ninety seven, ninety eight when it happened. So, yeah, they yeah. had animals on it anyway. Hofmeister, <laughs> vile shit. Were you a big snake bite? Drinker JP, Snake Bite and Black. No. Was, that, was that a thing down there? That was a big thing up here when I first it, started going out. It was a thing and people did it. Um, what is it? it half just, Strongbow, half, half I, cider, just, half lager, black corn. Half cider, half lager. Black fawn in Weatherspoons in Southampton at the time it was rather than Strongbow. Black fawn. Black really? tap. A lot of people would have a black on black, which they thought was hilarious. <laughs> Drop a black car in your black fawn. Woo, black on black. <laughs> then most people get black oh. eyes when they're fucking fighting outside yeah. scrapping like animals yeah. were you ever a cider in the park kind of lad uh, Joe I no. can't imagine you doing that me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, mate I used to judge bit, like when I was at school I'd be the one judging the cider in the park drinkers I was inside you know playing the PS2 <laughs> bit of Smack pro Evo, bit of champ manager bit of Smackdown probably watching some good wrestling <laughs> not football few films they were out having a piss up in a park and a wet friday evening till yeah. four o'clock in the morning yeah I, I, I was i was pretty content with uh who i was and what i was doing at the age of 15 and i didn't feel like a bottle of white lightning or white star was going to improve my situation in life any so and also whenever i tried that stuff i was like who can drink this shite? Two ninety five for a bottle of Frosty Jacks or whatever it was. Oh God! Uh, nah, not the name I've not heard in a while. I remember the first oh, give it, being given beer, being given cans of Fosters, and being like, "This is disgusting." How do mm. people drink this? And kind of just drinking it. And I remember the first time my mate, whose dad is like a beer snob, he's a he's a good bloke as his dad. 
and he was like, have one of these lads. And he gave us, um, I think it was an Augustina, like a proper German beer. Mm. Have one of these. I was like, this is blowing my mind. It, it changed my world, that beer. <laughs> you were Honest. early to it. It took me years before I, uh, I knew what a good drink was. When I was first well, going, I was, it was It was New Year's Eve. I was in year 11 that wow. he gave us a couple of bottles each and we went around to this party. Yeah. And I remember just being like, this is this is proper. Like, <laughs> it was like Superhands talks about his first Bowie track and his first joint. Um, that's how I felt with that first, like, German lager. It was mm. great. Yeah, that's it. I was on I was on the Budweiser for years, thinking, oh, oh it's, it's an American beer, so this is cool, right? Like, drink, oh. drinking it and hating it from, like, 18 to, like, 20. Like, it was fucking, yeah, that, that was kind of my introduction to, to beer. It took a while before I got an acquired taste to it. To anything, Smirnoff Ice was a a regular one. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I used to drink a lot of that. Like I remember, like I've probably said this before. I remember going to America during that period, like for like Ring of Honor. Maybe I was 21, 2021 at that point. And like the even me though with my limited drinking experience, the lads I was over there with were doing shots of Smirnoff Ice, the uh, the alcohol wow. pop that's five percent. Uh, something there was something about that recently, wasn't it like a Smirnoff Ice challenge or something that was going around recently where people were down in bottles of Smirnoff Ice. <laughs> do you remember that yeah yeah that's yeah. it yeah he was like like again but it's 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 just bottle of smear of ice that's it getting iced it's like yeah i, I don't think they really, i think they see the word smear and often think it's it's worse than it is Jeez. i remember drinking that muck <laughs> the last time i drank it was on a harrowing night uh Actually, and then it was the last time I drank. Actually, it was I was eighteen. It was at my college ball, mm. and it was not in my first of a sexual experience. <laughs> Harold, <laughs> absolutely uh, harrowing it was. Uh, my brother probably didn't want to hear this. Um, <laughs> but um, I didn't drink it again until we were in Liverpool last year. And uh, one of your mates, um, yeah, Gary, old, uh, Gary, uh, Jiggy Walker, <laughs> getting, the, getting the Smirnoff ice in, so they end up with one in my hand and was like, oh, I? yeah, apple it? was it apple snaps and stuff like yeah, that as well, flying around on it. It was like a, it was like a trip to a very dark past <laughs> as a teen, as a. As a kid, yeah. yeah, I'll do that too. Though once I've, once I've had a, a good number of drinks, I find myself in the crazy house. It is usually Gary buying those rounds, but I'll go along with it, and it'll be like a throwback to my 18, yeah. 19 year old self drinking oh. different coloured WKD and hooch and at all kinds. Well, oh. mate, they were playing saliva and drowning pool mm. that night, and it's like up dark, just going. This is just very odd you weren't walking alone inside a pit of danger that night were you <laughs> no he blocked someone the who is walking alone he is finally walking alone again he's big dave though and i saw i'm yeah. walking alone jp blocked me on twitter like i i, I, I well you went some... out with him and you've broken up that's oh, the issue somebody quote quick tweeted big dave and i can remember it only maybe a couple of months ago seeing dave batista <laughs> tweets in my timeline and I tried to click on his profile and said, you are blocked. I was hurt, lads. Where's, this is worse than when Road Dog blocked me and you, Joe, on the same day we were talking about off-air before this when he's going on his wins and losses don't matter stuff. Like, it's Road Dog. I can live without following Road Dog. Austin Aries blocked me once because I said he was shit. Kind of feel bad about that because I am actually an Austin Aries fan. He was just mm. in the middle of a really shit run in WWE. And Batista, genuinely, lads, I can't remember the last time I tweeted Batista or about Batista, so I can only assume he came across one of my crappy tweets and just thought, fuck this guy, and blocked it. It must have been that mania match. Maybe. You know what we did talk, we were saying this, we talked about it on on our Grapple Media podcast this year. Yeah. Maybe it's that. 
I don't know. I can't imagine Big Dave's a list. He's got better things to do, surely. Well, exactly, and he's and he's built himself a, a decent body of work in the acting world. So he mm. really should be concentrating on that <laughs> as much well, as anything. Got it. Um, yeah, it's he'll be all right, Dave. He he tends to fall on his feet, doesn't he, Dave, and sort himself out. I don't know, does he? Well, he seems to have done very well for himself in any position that's pretty much turned up, mm. made the best yeah. of his abilities. Yeah. Maybe he'll hear this, Ben, and get back in his good books again. Fingers crossed. Well, his evolution uh, counterpart, as in Randy Orton, he's a, I don't like a bit of cancel culture, but I wish, <laughs> I wish people were after him a bit more. His comments were fucking shocking, and no, there's been no reaction to that whatsoever, mm. no punishment. I was on here a couple of few weeks ago. I remember saying I don't like him as he gets away with everything and he never learns from his mistakes. Another classic example there shows that Randy Orton, you know, has respect for I don't know Kofi Kingston, doesn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. What what a vile human being that man is. I know I've defended him a lot, and I do find him in some ways perversely entertaining. But yeah, like he kind of that came out like just after we finished the podcast last mm. time, didn't it? That it that's was... normally the case now. Every time we record, something <laughs> happens within oh, like four hours. Randy Orton versus Big Tone Khan on Twitter feels like that, that was a big headline. Now it's a week ago. It doesn't seem to matter anymore. But yeah, Team Tone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Go on the Jacksonville Dixie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I, I was shocked at that though. Yeah, that he kind of he went after Big Tone about like a random article about his dad from Lord knows how long ago. Like, yeah, that was a... No, and not a, a website that didn't appear to be very credible either. Yeah. What website it even was? Was it like some rando news site? Yeah. 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 Like stuff that had absolutely sort of no real credence yeah. to it, apparently. Yeah, considering, it. The, considering the stuff that we've not so subtly hinted at that he could have gone after on, on Big Tone, that surely would be your plan of attack, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, oh definitely, yeah. But yeah, Orton's Teflon, nothing ever. Like even like you when even when the likes of Meltzer are reporting on it, they're like, yeah, Randy, yeah, uh, Tony Khan mentioned that Randy Orton used the uh, the N word in a Twitch stream, but mm-hmm. it's Randy Orton. He'll probably be fine. Um, I mean, obviously, he didn't. Yeah. You know, he was tr- kind of using it in a jokey, rappery kind of way, rather than like a hateful Hogan kind of way. But again. Like there are gamers. He was using it in a Boris Johnson sort of way, mate, where he just gets away with it because that's what we expect, and our expectations kind of define what we get from someone in many ways. So you know, calling Muslim women letterboxes and all the rest of it, whatever. War off a duck's back. Yeah, he does seem to get away with it. Yeah, he's a uh, wrestling's Boris. Maybe that's Randy. Uh, fucking hell. Are you uh, are you all registered to vote? By the way, we all sorted. Should we? Should we? Should we oh, drive our, yeah. our listeners that the day this comes out is going to be the last day for everyone to do it? You know, we need to uh, counteract the likes of Will Cooling, who's uh, threatening to vote Tory. <laughs> if you listen to the uh, the last graphs and claps, I will continually spread the rumor that he's a Tory. Uh, <laughs> I oh. think he's a reform one. I think is what he'd say. He just very much uh, is on the, um, the the vote leave side, unfortunately. But yeah, for the uh, for those of our listeners who agree with us, definitely get out and uh, and get yourself yeah. registered uh, today as your last chance. Yeah, it's it, it's really at this point in time, it's time to shit or get off the pot when it comes to voting. Mm. The idea of going ah, politics not interested. When you leave your house, you walk onto a pavement. Who fucking put it there? Along with the road, along with the lights and everything else. Even planting the trees. If you can't be asked to walk to a voting station, get to fuck. So and much. if it's not the perfect person vote, vote, you're voting for, oh, well, 
They may all have done this. Yep, they're not perfect. What, get on with it. Can't vote for a terrorist, mate. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I've had a lot of that this week. Me and JP had to put some students to write this week mm. who were referring to Corbyn as a terrorist and all the rest of it. Oh. All the old classic tropes. Uh, yeah, JP turned it into some anti-Ireland-style rant as well mm. at the same time, which, you know, oh. very much for. I had to explain who Tony Blair was to some of my students. I didn't know Tony fucking Blair was. Like, it's equivalent to me not knowing who Thatcher is. When I, like, it, when I was their age, mm. like... I can't think of a time where I didn't know Margaret Thatcher was. Mm. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. But a Good Friday agreement, I had to explain in some detail to yeah. get around Corbyn and all sorts. Yeah, it's been a been a fun been a fun time. I feel like we're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm surprised you run into it with students as well. Like that would you would think would be, or is it an Oxford thing? Like I thought that'd be like the Corbyn base. Um, Oxford itself voted like 70% remain yeah. and I think so. Oxford's a pretty socially liberal place for the most part but there's a lot of European remember, businesses and yeah. a lot of kind of tech stuff and even like motor racing as well I mean our friend Yao he works in that and that's the kind of north of the county but you got a lot of uh, you got to think about it centre of Oxford what's it full of yeah think about that toffee nosed public schoolboy educated uh, students doing their PPE to prepare themselves for a seat in Parliament one day so they can carry on probably cutting our public services and making our lives better off while making hedge fund managers' lives better and those Tory donors' lives better at the same time while sacrificing the you know, the rest of the country at the same time. So, Will, I probably didn't say this to you yesterday, vote Labour, mate. <laughs> Hopefully a second referendum. There's a promise of that. And if you're a legatee, so is Corbyn. Yeah. <laughs> Get that Labour vote in, yeah. pal. Don't go with that shameful Tory vote for a fucking cl- racist clown, number one. Yeah. And, yeah, come on. You're better than that. A lot of this is kind of inspired by the fact when you were at Tetsujin, Benno, mm. that's what we were watching Oh here, yeah. was what was watching that debate. So I don't know if you got wind of it at all, because it appears not to have been covered all that much. No. Like in the, well, say covered in this weird sense where the audience were laughing at Johnson. He was a complete fucking shambles. Mm, that's Unless thing. you find his hair funny, in which case I, I think don't lose any hope. This is what I mean by an uphill battle. Swinson was absolutely awful on that debate. And if she, she was so unbelievably bad that mm. he's covered for how bad Boris was. He's got a way of how bad he was based on how bad she was. But also it's the media's reluctance to go full on on Boris. That Jennifer R. Curry stuff hasn't got the coverage it deserves. If that was anyone else, that is getting mm-hmm. coverage of the high heavens. Even this headline on the BBC when they announced their manifesto, compared to the Labour manifesto, Boris Johnson's plan for the country is a shopping list of promises, not an encyclopedia of ambitions. Is that fair coverage from a balanced news organisation? Like, to me we're fighting an uphill battle based on little subtle messages and hints mm. like that that make out that wanting to invest heavily in public services and make people's lives better is pie in the sky. That's the fucking fight we're, we're facing yeah. here. Look at all the stuff based around, oh, the magic money tree, spending. Have you costed it? Yes. Wow, this is the problem here, this is the problem there. That Tory manifesto, have they costed that? No. I've not seen anything about them not costing that manifesto mm. today, have you? No. No, nothing. No. no. Oh, you got me going. Different set of rules. <laughs> Different set of rules. I hate that party so much. Yeah. I'll be dead in a ditch before I ever vote for the t- fucking Tories because what they've done to people's lives in the last nine years is fucking disgusting. Remember that as well when you go to the voting disgusting. booth. What has happened over the last nine years? 
And where are we now, yeah. based on the last nine years? Yeah. And how people maybe felt in this country in 2016, after six years of, of Tory austerity. We've just not even got anywhere near wrestling at the minute. <laughs> and it's not like we've got six. Ten minutes on pole. <laughs> We've really got six million. Yeah, it's not like there's anything to talk about. <laughs> but, but all I would say is, is seriously, go out and vote. Yeah, that's like, it. And ignore the Daily Mail, the Sun, yeah. the Tory Graph, the Times as well over the uh, next few days. Just ignore them. There was a good thing at last election where somebody went into Tesco's, grabbed every every the copy. Express, there's one I forgot. Yep. Uh, and grabbed all the copies of the Daily Mail, went over to the where the milk was, mm. pulled out the entire bottom row of the big six pointers, which you know not everyone's picking up when they're doing the the weekly shop, and put them right at the back of there, and put the milk back in, and like film themselves doing it. I'd advocate the same thing again, and pick up the Express while you're at it. <laughs> I like the subtle kind of vigilanteism there, taking the law into yeah. his own hands. That fella, you know. The co-op probably, or the Tesco's probably lost a bit of profit that day, but the sacrifice was worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. Not worth the bloody paper that they're printed on those papers. And that's the problem. Uphill struggle, 80% of the print media from a right-wing perspective. Daily Mail is a toxic fucking newspaper. And they've kind of, how can I put it? They've taken people's kind of emotions, exposed them, and their emotions often kind of outweigh their actual political intentions in many ways and it kind of clouds their vote and they end up voting for something that's ultimately going to cause self-harm to their lives because they're lower earners and they're going to benefit from well let's be honest the uh public, five, well the investment in public services but also the top five percent of earners being taxed more money but you get cunts like that guy on question time who apparently oh. is Top five percent of earners, you know, and that kind of tells you the state this country. In. And he thought and the, doctors and solicitors were, oh, and he's like, no idea what doctors are playing. You see the generalisations that twat was making. God, mm. you've really got me going. How do you do this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just trying to get a route towards that article James you linked us to with the different EastEnders characters and how they voted, but I don't think we can even get there now, Joe. Doc Cotton, lead <laughs> voter, maybe. Not a lighter though, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone hasn't seen it, was like a like a Twitter thread of. Did you look at it, Joe? I think did we send it to you on Sunday. Oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, oh no, we were say, we said this yesterday. We were going to save it for today because mm. I'd read it and I was about to talk about it, and then you were like, "No, shut up. This is, <laughs> this is I'll see, save this it for today." Literally in real life, I will try and save podcast content up just because I know it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you would have any thoughts on that, Joe. I could send you the link if you like. Here we go. Uh, but Hit me with a couple of them. JP's got go it. Go so on, JP. I'll go with a couple in here. Um, we spoke about this one yesterday. Doc Cotton, leave. No. Do- doesn't recognise my London anymore when in- and anyone points out the amount of foreign people she's friends with. No, she goes, no. well, I didn't mean them, dear. Dot, dot, if you ask me, is is a labour through and through. 1945, she was evacuated to Wales in the war, remember? <laughs> You know, 1945 Labour government, revolutionary, post-war consensus, changed the country. Dot is Labour through and through, and I believe nothing else on that one. Okay. Don't know about June Brown, but Dot is Labour through nah, and through. June Brown's proper Labour. Yeah, I reckon yeah. so. Um, do I go for, an, uh, go for another couple, Benno? Yeah, go ahead. Gr- Grant Mitchell, leave postal vote from his villa in Portugal. That one seems accurate. Grant, well, Ross Kemp himself uh, was married to Rebecca Brooks, wasn't he, until she mm. beat him up. And then he uh, backed Brown in 2008, I mm. remember. Yeah, so Ross Kemp himself is a big Labour man. But um, Grant, 
Now, you know, I reckon Grant as a character grew. Phil kind of stayed where he was. Grant spread his horizons. He went to Brazil. <laughs> he got his new wife in Brazil. He had a great time over there. He opened up his cafe over there. No, I reckon Grant would probably... I could see him being a bit aspirational, but I'm, I'm going with Grant Labour. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Phil Mitchell remain? That seems no. right. No? No. <laughs> Phil Mitchell is leave through and through. I reckon Phil was considering a vote for the BMP in that sort of 2005 to nine period. <laughs> yeah. Definitely had a bit of a flirtation with UKIP at one point as well, I reckon. <laughs> Go ahead, JP. Sharon remain? I reckon Sharon is apolitical because she's just too obsessed with, I don't know, makeup and um, mourning her dad and Dennis or something. Yeah. Pat Butcher remain. Ah, no. controversial one. I, I agree this, that like she he says, the reasoning being surprisingly good knowledge of Harold Wilson, the EEC and the three-day week. You don't see that. I don't buy that with Pat at all. <laughs> surprisingly good knowledge of East End boozers. Frank Butcher. Oh, he's got to be leave. Frank is a Tory through and through. <laughs> yeah, he's a working class Tory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They've said on here, he and Pat had strong disagreements over the EU at points. That's why they initially <laughs> split up. Yeah, I think I think they were pure Thatcherites in the 80s, Pat and Frank. A couple of quick... Peggy Mitchell? Go and have a guess. I think Peggy would... would I don't think she's got loyalty to any party. I think Peggy is a swing voter who would go between Labour and Tory. Mm. And I think it depends on how the government have performed at that point in time. <laughs> but I could see her enjoying a bit of Thatcher in the 80s. But I could see her voting Labour before that, but coming back during the mm. new Labour era. <laughs> yeah, I think Peggy is a swing voter. Bianca? She doesn't vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the blame, isn't it, on that one, JP? She's keen on the theory that all politicians are liars and she doesn't trust yeah. a single one of them. Was going to vote Brexit, but they're not standing in her constituency, so Farage is a traitor to her now, too. Now she's going to vote Tory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or she's just Sonia? Oh, sorry, Benny, you do a couple. No, no, go for it. Go on. I'm enjoying this. Sonia. Sonia? Sonia works for the NHS and nurse. Yeah. Sonia's labour through and through. It basically says that... And she likes those those foreign nurses she works with in the NHS as well, I reckon, to Sonia. So Son Sonia's all right. Put a trumpet away, she's fine. Martin? Actually, he might have been a Labour man. I reckon Arthur was an old Labour man, public servant, sweeping the streets. You know, I think, yeah, Labour would have made the Fowler's lives better. So I think Martin's a Labour man through and through, family. Stacey? Oh, does she vote? <laughs> <laughs> Alfie Moon? Oh, there's a tough one. You know, again, I think swing. I think he's going to swing. Because okay. I can see Alfie thinking he's a bit aspirational, he's a bit of a wide mm. boy, got his flash shirts on and all the rest of it. But I think ultimately he knows that the Labour Party would probably make his life a little bit better. And he's probably going to be better because he's never going to be making his millions. He's a bit of a grafter, isn't he? A bit mm. of a wheeler and dealer. So I could see him kind of swinging between. Yeah, I could see him being a swing voter. Okay. On here it says leave. When questioned on this, he puts his arm round to whoever is asking and says, let's just be friends, yeah, but shakes his head whenever he hears a Polish accent. <laughs> Which... Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Kat Slater? Again, I just don't think she takes any interest. They're on here, that's mainly, she's a total Remainer. I think she's interested in no one but herself. Big Ian Beale. Oh, Tory. <laughs> Local business yeah, Bill would be a lever as well. But aspirational Tory, 80s, loads of money sort of era when Bill was making his pound note, you know. 
death. The Beale Empire, he's definitely a Tory. Yeah. It's got four iterations of Ben Mitchell. <laughs> There's the four. There's Fucking four hell. on it. I was going to say that on Martin, the different versions of Martin, but I didn't know there were four Ben Mitchells. One oh, yeah. Was, the youngest one was particularly annoying. I remember how bad that actor yeah. was. They've gone Lexit for him. Second one, Leave. We're sort of in his teenage years. Third one, Remain. <laughs> him angry about it. Fourth one, Leave. Voted by shooting a gun through the window of the polling station and went straight through the leave box, but he was aiming for Remain. <laughs> now Phil's really disappointed with him. <sighs> Lib Dem. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If anything says that's... more Lib Dem, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, if you want to so read it yourself, at Suze UK, is it, JP? On Sorry, Twitter? But... No, I was going to say, is it at Suze UK on is the Twitter, isn't it? Devil Suze Kemper. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a look. Very, very good on that. I think she's a, I think, I think she's a comedian, is she? Yeah, she idea. is. Yeah, I yeah. could go for a few more of them if she wants to put them up at some point. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get you both on a podcast. You can go back and forth. Yeah, um, I'll be up for that. Save it for the Patreon. There we go. Do the entire square. I, no one's going to want to listen to that. No one's <laughs> going to pay for that. People have asked me if you'll do EastEnders recaps weekly, Joe, so I don't know I don't about that. watch it weekly. <laughs> but you have to if we're getting paid. You are entering into EastEnders season as you're what, tailing away from oh, New yeah, Japan. I'll, I'll start. I'm going to start in the next couple of weeks for the Christmas. For Christmas, I always always get back into it for a bit. It's ba- basically replaced New Japan for mm. Inverno at this yeah. point. Just give us some updates as you go, Joe. That, that's all we ask. Okay, well, I'll probably start watching it again this week, maybe next week. I'll talk to my girlfriend, see what she wants to do, because she's, we're, yeah, we always get proper in the swing of things for Christmas. See the odd episode now and then. If people want to pay me to watch it, I will happily do that. I did some, Minty is on a, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, though. Is he? Yeah, he's doing all right on there. Yeah. Muscle, yeah. They put him and Kurt from Coronation Street on there, and I thought, if they go on, like, Minty and Gary... And like Les and Kirk, and thought, let's just combine them. Two great double acts from soap history. Like, just com- like take one of each. Kind of like when um, Robert Gibson and Marty Janetti taught us the rock and rockers. <laughs> yeah. <Remember> that? <laughs> what a team. Oh, Jesus. Gibson would, wouldn't be like, he'd have seen Ricky Morton in a stage from time to time, but Christ, he really <laughs> would out of the frying pan and into the fire teaming with Marty Janetti. Jesus. Uh Anyway, that was, that was th- thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> Only half an hour in with uh, loads of reviews to do, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, what I was going to mention as well, just before we do get into the big reviews, just a couple of couple more wrestling news notes, just uh, to kind of, just to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, I don't know if you've got any big picture thoughts on it, but CM Punk did do WWE backstage. It was really awkward. I don't know if you guys watched it, but... It really did feel like I think he still thinks in his head he's signed to be like a serious Fox analysis and he's going on about the SmackDown dog segment being bad creative. All the while Booker T's standing there doing his whole my boy D. Bry kind of shtick. It was just a weird kind of like it just it's a culture clash really. I mean they played like a five minute video of fans begging for him to come back where he just kind of stood oh. there and looked really awkward. Then he buried Rollins trying to get in a feud with him. And I know people have took that as, oh, Punk's playing up the feud. No, I think he just really detests Seth Rollins. And then he was just like, yeah, well, well, the women in the NXT stuff's good. Um, 
and everything else sucks was basically what you got out of him. It was Reddit level analysis is the way uh, I've been putting it. I enjoyed them trying to wind up uh, Renee with the uh, trying to bring up Moxley, which again banned him on that on that on that show. But for me, it was kind of what I expected. But not a few to have uh, got any particular notes on it following last week. Ah, uh, it was just uh, like from that video package they showed that led up to his entrance, the ring. Mm. It was it looked like Savage entering at WCW. You know, he debuted at Disney. Oh yeah, yeah, that was mm. so weird. He loved that. Mm. It just looked, I was like, this is shit. Yeah. Like this is your like this is a comeback. It's not really a comeback. It's like a sort of comeback. Like mm. this can't be considered a comeback. It was yeah. It was just an interview on it. Like, yeah, he's a screen presence. He's got some charisma, but there's ah, little things when he said, like, wrestling could be so much better. It's like, why are you here then? Yeah. Do you think mm. that? Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Like, if you think that, go to AEW where they're trying to make a difference and they're, go New they're Japan. making a genuine concerted effort. Mm. I've, I don't think he can go. No, I, I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I don't know. He knows he can't go and he can't live up to the standard. And since he was the best in the world, the style and the stand you got to live up to has grown and changed mm. adapted so much at that time. Oh, He'd just yeah. get left behind. Yeah. TV matches on AEW would be a better fit if he was ever going to do it. But uh, I had that same feeling, Joe. Like, I know, you know, we were saying last week and we were maybe disagreeing on the AEW side and, you know, whether they could have made a play for him. But just hearing him say things like, you know, well, I'm, I'm 41 and, you know, I've learned to never say never and stuff like that about a match. Gives, gives the CM Punk work and be hope, but... Just him being there just undermines just his credibility as this voice of the mm. voiceless thing. And like, I, I just felt like he, he came across like, and he said it himself, someone who's just not watched any wrestling in the last five years, didn't know who Baron Corbin was. Like, he just... Good. <laughs> he dodged a, good a bullet there, but, didn't he? But I also think, it, I reckon he's not watched a single minute of AEW's TV. I bet you that too. Because I wonder if he if he had maybe 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 it might have got something tingling in him. I don't know. That's just the uh, the punk fanboy in me though. He just he really just seemed like he was there for a payday. And, and in fairness to him, you know he was gonna be as honest as you can be in that environment. But still, mm-hmm. uh, there are certain subject. He was going into like the softball subject, wasn't he? It's hardly like a a revelation to say that uh, that that dog segment was bad or that WWE is overproduced. Yeah, I think I heard I'd say on Voice of Wrestling, it's like when you're discussing ACH and Saudi Arabia, then I'll have an interest in that show. Only Lorcan Until even. then, it's like watching the entertainment channel, the mm. E channel. It's yeah. fluff. Yeah. It's really what it oh, is. Yeah. Trying to masquerade as kind of a, a version of UFC tonight, which in and of itself was kind of censored at points. Mm. But yeah, this is, it's going to kill the specialness because once the novelty of this is, well, even like the backstage numbers, I'll be I'll be interested in the trajectory it goes over the next few weeks. I'm no interest in seeing him wrestle. Yeah, tonight, but honestly, I think he's killed my interest in it by doing this rubbish. Yeah, mm. to a, to a degree, that's how I feel. The best thing he did, the best bit of advice he gave was his Twitter advice to Rollins. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah, I'll get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like you. It really did. Yeah, just delete your Twitter, mate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Especially also, Rollins. Rollins is an idiot. If he oh. thinks that's going to get him a match, like, yeah. it's the kind of thing Punk's going to rebel against. He's yeah. a contrarian. He will do everything he can not to yeah. go with the status quo oh, yeah. or with what people want, as in this move, for example. Mm. So, yeah, Rollins probably does need to shut up. He's not going to get his match if he carries on the way he is. Um, did you another note from last week as well? We got a lot of feedback on our Brute Res's dead talk. And um, one thing we didn't really kind of touch on, I think we normally do it, just didn't come up in this subject because we were talking about how you know at the top level, 
what we're missing is, you know, you know, and that NXT UK has kind of caused problems at the top level of Brit Res, which is kind of what we mean. Mm. Brit Res is dead. That top level watched around the world, matches of the year, wrestlers of the year, feuds of the year is kind of gone. I think a big part of that story people mentioned, you know, we didn't really talk about the fact that, well, a lot of it is, well, Osprey, Zack Sabre, Marty, even Pac, but mainly those first three, they're gone too. But again, yep. one thing I always say back to people on that as well, yeah, but that's because they've taken a natural step to the Absolutely. next level. Osprey's yes. the best, probably the best wrestler in the world, and he's been signed by one of the best companies in the world to be put in a top line, maybe not the top of the card, but a, you know, a prominent position to have these great matches. He's not been buried in a in a locker down south at the uh, the NXT UK Combine. Uh, there's yeah. a bit of a difference there, but but it is a big part of the story, isn't it? That's kind of what's you know, another thing that's affecting our, say, match of the year. Yeah, but they're still sort of around. They're still sort of around. Uh, Zach was in my highest rated British match of the year. Which one? the tag, oh, the tag match, the Aussie Open one. Oh, was that? Was mm. that was, was the second highest? I can't remember. Ah, they're it's still the sort of around. Though. They're kind of half around. Yeah, Marty's not at all. But he wasn't having their matches, was he, Marty? Either that's the other thing. He was the character. He wasn't the, the last year. Yeah, he definitely wasn't the last year. He kind of worked out a way to work smart, and he that last year he was working here, but. Uh, yeah, that's a, like you say, Ben, that's a complete natural progression. Like at the end of the day, I think Will Ospreay would have been happy probably being like a matless hizzy and just plying his trade at Rev Pro for the rest of his career, having great matches. But mm. in the way that matless hizzy didn't make that natural progression to the next step. Spurs. And the big money. Yeah, yeah. We signed Under the contract Venables. and then uh, was like, I don't want it because his wife didn't want to move at the time. Yeah. Um, Will Ospreay's taken that step. And is doing great things and good on him. And it's great to watch. Whereas many guys have taken that next step and it's like, oh, cool. That's this it. is good. Yeah. Oh, but they're going to get to go to Houston on the 25th of January <laughs> where it's going to be NXT UK against the NXT. So, what the fuck? Yeah, We've already got... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we had the brand supremacy sort of not fourth one. Jesus. Dave, fuck Dave Mastiff in Houston, mate. They're all going to be living the dream. They're going to be getting on a flight to America, getting off a plane and going to an arena, like a big one in America where there's going to be a WWE ring set up. So they're all going to live the dream. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Gallus in Houston. <laughs> Honestly, like, if, if you've got any, like... If you think that WWE take NXT UK seriously at all, just watch Survivor Series from Sunday and watch Walter be the first man out of that that big Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. You know, remember, that was Wal- remember Walter, who David Starr couldn't beat? Like all it took was, was it, is it a Claymore click? Is that Drew Galloway's move? Like all, yeah, that's all and not took. even a particularly good one at that. And he's I like Drew. I like well, I'll say Drew Galloway. Um, but yeah, oh, McIntyre, that sorry. that one wasn't even it wasn't even good because it was just after the sort of shotgun drop kick that he'd done on um, Braun Strowman, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, me it. and JP watched that, and those those lads came out on that Survivor Series team, and I was like, "That's a fucking team, is that?" Yeah. Riddle was making us laugh on the entrance yeah. as well, wasn't he? Wow, I was wow. enjoying it at first. Was like, you know what? what? I love that about Riddle that even though he's on WWE TV, he's still, you know, the way no one like slaps hands with fans anymore. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's just Matt Riddle. He's paying attention to the dudes in the front row the same way he would in a hundred seat building in Manchester or like North yeah. London or, or something. I love that. Or outside him. a pub in Preston. <laughs> that too. <laughs> That's him. He's a hero. He's a proper hero. Yeah. But we were enjoying it. What I was like, this is all right, this. The Walter mm. in there dominating. Then that happened. It was yeah. like, I just, I, I said to JP, this match is interesting because Riddle and Walter clearly don't really give a fuck. Mm. 
but I think they know Walter doesn't give a fuck because they yeah. got him out of there so quickly. I think Vince just took one look at him, didn't he? he was like, no. <laughs> he's, just, he's a big lad, but he's not a, a Vince body, is he? Like that's what it felt like to me. Um, I, I I hated that, but I'm gonna say I, I like the overall match. I did enjoy it. Maybe it was the perverse enjoyment of how yeah. much the oh, I hated it, Rollins, like because everything. Yeah. He, they, and they were booking him in such a way that, like, you know, he he took out um, what's his name from Chicago. Um, Blanking on his name. Ali. Sorry, I'm forgetting which which name he lost. But he's Mustafa Ali again, isn't he? He's not Mustafa or Ali. But like, yeah. he took him out. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, do you want him to get booed? Like, he's taken out all the fan favorites. Every time it looked like he was about to eliminate people, people were already booing in anticipation about what he was about to do. So I enjoyed that on, on like on some level. But also, I did enjoy like the big bot, like the big bomb element of it. You know, the Keith Lee going back and forth with Roman and just the absurdity of of that very statement. Uh, there was definitely something to be said yeah. for this match on like a perverse entertainment level. It, i got to say, we were watching it and I was mm. a bit annoyed at the wild things. I was like, for fuck's sake, of course. Mm. And there was some stuff I got from the match that I did enjoy. Mm. Like, it was quite a fun match. It was structured quite well. But you're looking at it and you're like, there's Riddle, Keith Lee, Ricochet... Uh, it's even like Tommaso Ciampa basically doing their indie gimmicks mm. still and then you look across the ring and you've got the worst of the WWE in terms of like <laughs> Baron Corbin Randy Orton I love Chad Gable Shorty G Shorty G oh, in this shot you're like, he's taller than Ali this is like the weirdest Mac, Mac mix of like indie greats from the last year and some of the worst, most annoying mm. wrestlers I've possibly ever seen in my life. Like pure Vince-style shite yeah. against indie work. Sure about The Fiend in there, just to complete the look. Ah, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what a bizarre match. I've got to say, there was one point, and I said to JP, if Riddle pins Orton, I'm going to lose my shit. Yes. And he pinned Orton. <laughs> it was a troll, Rid- Mate, Riddle is a worker, though. He got, he knew that what was going on. He went, right, I'm going to get myself over even more after this fall. I'm not going to have this pause. I'm going to do the bro stuff. He got over even more. He had him chanting it. He got himself over as a face even more for that troll because it was a clear fucking troll. Yeah. And then that happened. I said to JP, though, when he was doing that, I said, Corbin's pinning him. I actually turned to you and said that, didn't I? Yeah. The camera angle, like the shot they use at that moment in time, their stuff is so transparent, and I'm so used to it from years mm. of their, their shite that it was almost like they channeled it happening before it happened, and it happened. It's so bloody predictable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's them all over us there. And it's like they, they played into your expectations, and they lived up to them in a lot of ways. But w- w- one thing I would say that, like, I, I you know, will give them a lot of shit. But I think, again, I think it was voices uh, giving them far too much credit lately. Pointed it out. Uh, I think it was on Twitter. That the, that the Keith Lee Roman segments at the end of the match. Yes. It was like It was like all of a sudden they'd remembered how to make a star. It, that's yeah. what it, it was like. You, like That was like five minutes of like great spotlight for Keith Lee. Mm. I probably would have put him over myself, but you know. But Same. It's Roman, mm. so whatever. But like, I, I honestly, I thought that was like, that was like the crowd were ready for it. It almost felt the trolling was worth it to get to this moment where we actually got something and we got Keith Lee. And if there's a, if there's a Vince McMahon wrestler among this NXT lot, uh, you know, Keith Lee again, similar to Walter, maybe he hasn't got the, the bodybuilder physique, but he's a bit bigger than Walter. Mm. Vince is always... He's tightened been... up the physique ever so slightly. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, Just he's a tiny better, bit. isn't he? And he's got charisma, yeah. he's got personality, he can cut a promo... Maybe it should be such a prize that uh, that Vince clearly likes him because that was a that was a really nice moment and it was great to see. 
It really was. Um, it was it was great fun, and I think like the overall dynamic of people I really like up against some of the people I really dislike <laughs> yeah. is always one that's going to effectively get a reaction from me, mm. and it's a bit of a roller coaster. And even though I, I knew I knew what the finish was, Joe didn't know what it was when we were watching it. I had no idea about. I was I didn't even know the team yeah. until they came out. <laughs> that's true. I didn't know the other two teams. And that was an interesting dynamic. I mean, NXT clearly had the fans on side, but I'm assuming a lot of them were at the takeover yeah, the night before. The cool. Yes. They haven't got the tame well, of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, they're all coming out wearing like Raw and SmackDown, like the, the things on the on their arms rather than the yeah. shitty blue and red T-shirts, which I appreciated. But, but yeah, those T-shirts, you know, no fans sat in the crowd with, with their blue SmackDown T-shirts on. No one gives a fuck. SmackDown as a brand and something you support isn't a coming thing, out. is it? Like, but NXT oh. is, so yeah, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That's it, and and the whole brand supremacy thing is dumb, mm. necessarily. Mm. It's I don't know if it was a battle between vanilla Coke and cherry Coke for the supremacy of Coke, even though you know that vanilla all day. Yeah, <laughs> even though you know that Coke and Diet Coke are still going to be leading it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. It's all the same thing, and it's like some of these lot about what. How long goes that draft? I'm going to say a month. It could be two months. Christ knows in the weird bubble that they live in. But they were on another brand. Mm. A load of them came from NXT. There's no kind of like the way the the only logical way you could do it would require them to be kind of, you know, slightly worried about going back and doing something at NXT because they, they would feel a sense of loyalty. But it's just like, no, put that blue T-shirt on me and I will kill for you. <laughs> that's and that's and that's how it is. I was here a week ago, but oh, now I'm feeling the loyalty of Fox. Friday nights, my night. Well, man. Do you remember another like, thing: the music they came out to as well mm. was the music from SmackDown and Raw. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was. <laughs> I didn't know the themes. I was like, "What is this? What is this music?" Like you know, Vince just think like he thinks like this stuff makes like. Remember when they used to do the drafts where all the wrestlers would be sacked backstage and like Randy Orton would get drafted to SmackDown and Mark Henry and like fucking. I don't know, like some other mid-card jobber would be like high-fiving and hugging, like, yeah, we got Randy Orton on SmackDown. You know, I mean, you're not a sports team. You're going to have to wrestle them. It's, it makes no sense. But in Vince's mind, brand supremacy c- counters all. Uh, they're all very loyal to the to Team Blue and Team Red. But the brand. The brand, <laughs> yeah. It's it's fight, fight for my love, kids. That's what you all have to do. Uh, let's think about the real world for a second, right? How many people have been in jobs where they would fight for their job against another job who reckon they're better than them? So it'd be like me and JP fighting for our college against the college down the road because we're so loyal and like it's flowing in our veins. Yeah. Like, no, how many people have like that much loyalty and like it just it's just not realistic, is it? Benno, when you were to quick save, would you have loyally fought for quick save against the orange brand of happy <laughs> shopper because you're so passionate about the red and white of quick save like I, I mean I, I was I, very passionate about quick save Joe I mean it was a good shop no frills but they thought yeah. they sold good things but no I don't think I'd fight I don't think I'd fight over it when I used to work in a uh, bargain booze when I was when I was younger I don't think I'd have fought against booze buster uh, yeah <laughs> like I don't get anyone and that's the thing isn't it it's not <laughs> They're trying to, in a way, they're trying to treat it like it's a real sport. But again, no one's got any 
any connection to to Roar or Smackdown, so you're never going to mm. get that element of it. And the wrestlers themselves, like you say, have got no no tie to to their employee. This isn't WCW versus uh, WWE for as much as they uh, they want to try and do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I love I like the interpromotional stuff and the feud we were talking about off air, like briefly mentioned, but have mentioned before ring of honor, CZW as being like something that has a, like kind of a genuine dynamic to it. This doesn't No, And so ultimately in watching this match, I enjoyed it, but not for the reasons that they would have kind of planned for to a degree, mm. if that makes any sense. Oh, no. So I was like, I care less about it. I wanted, I wanted NXT to win, to win because there's wrestlers I like on it. It was just sort of as simple as that. That's it, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. I gave it three point seven five on Grapple, which mm. I might. I went four. Oh, stars. Four, four. Wow. Yeah. I, get, I mean, yeah, I was into it. One I of the matches of the War Games matches. Wow. Oh, that's interesting because I went a bit higher on one of those War Games matches, but we can get into that. But yeah, mm. I, I thought it was. I thought, Probably the match of the show. I mean, what else did what else did you see on the show? I saw myself. I saw Ray and Brock. I really enjoyed that too. Oh, that, that was great fun. That was that was bloody good fun. That was the well booked like, Brock Lesnar match, wasn't it? That was what you yeah. wanted. That's exactly what we, the we Dominic were and Ray stuff was all. I love that double six one nine. So that was awesome. <laughs> Dominic got booked better than Walter. Let that sink in. He looks <laughs> like him. <laughs> he God, really he does. does, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's done it. Walter did the 619 on some Fight Club Pro show, I think, as like a takeoff of that, because they really, they do, <laughs> he could be the other son of Rey Mysterio, Walter Easy. Yeah, that was really good fun. It's like one of those points where you think, oh, it reminds you of the AJ match, it reminds you of the Brian match, where he goes in there and he's he's looking forward to working with Ray and he's looking forward to what they're going to be able to do. And they did it well, and it, and it, and those matches when he does them don't overstay their welcome as well. So the Dominic stuff coming with the towel. I mean, we're creasing up now. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not there worried about Dominic. I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the bit where he just starts beating shit out of him. Although the fear would have been whether or not they're, they're I think you'd said at the time they're going to do a takeoff of MJF. Well, let's be honest. They've been doing a takeoff the last few weeks of the brawl on the home on the go home show before Full Gear. Haven't yeah, they? yeah. Well, they've just copied that over and over again. But they've had coloured T-shirts on rather than being a legitimate feud. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, they're going to. Thank God they didn't because mm. that would have just been fucking awful. Let's be honest here. But yeah, we're going to get Dominic against Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Do you reckon that's the match? I'd book it. Two minute squash on SmackDown, I'd take it, or Raw, whichever show they're on, I don't even know. I could do it. I'd be up for I, it. I could watch it. Dom's execution was all right. I was expecting it to be a lot worse, no, considering mate. his level of experience. Fox Splash wasn't great. It wasn't oh, like mate, his dad's It was all right. Con- consider the jeans. Eddie Guerrero being, <laughs> being his old man, you know. It's... Uh, underrated period in SmackDown, that. Not, not even underrated. I think, actually, widely agreed. One of the better eras of SmackDown, that, the, uh, the Eddie Ray stuff. And you know Brock's got that connection as well from that uh, that big match where Eddie beat him for the belt. What was what year was that? It was right before Mania. Wasn't oh, way out two thousand. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, great match that. Uh, I gave you know what I was I'm just looking at Grapple actually three stars is the average for that. I'm kind of the shock. I went higher than what, that. Uh, I went three and a half on that. It was short. Yeah, it was short and sweet and yeah, really same. good. What it was. Yeah, of the higher echelon of Lesnar matches in recent years. Harsh rates on the the Grapple app today. Um, did you watch anything else on the pay per view? Uh, the main event was fucking awful. Oh, that was terrible. On I don't know. It was boring as. Uh, what else did we watch? We watched... Uh, was Adam Cole peaked on? Yeah, mm. which was very good. I, yeah. was that? I got back after that started, unfortunately. I only really watched a, a couple of matches uh, when I got him. 
Uh, I personally, I thought it, it was good. It was a better Pete Dunn match than we've seen from him recently. It felt less rehearsed. Yes. It felt like he didn't have time to rehearse that one over and over again. It did, and the last few minutes, there's some there's some really good stuff happening in there as well. I wouldn't mind see, seeing a kind of rematch from it, and the crowd got into it towards the end as well. Mm. One of the things I didn't like, and this kind of links almost away from Survive Series and to TakeOver, is you've got the fact that Cole's out there wrestling <sighs> a like 20-minute-long match after taking that yeah. bump in the war games, the which they showed. Mm. And I'm making up the Pete Dunn's legs taping was just as bad. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. did you fucking see what happened to Cole? Christ, it's yeah. not really comparable. Wrestling in it, you tape up the ribs and then they, they, you're good to go. It's sound. Yeah. Go for I it. Said, I said to JP, like, the, we made the Walter thing even more ridiculous because let's book logically, Tommaso Ciampa was in that war games. He'd been through hell the night before, as had Riddle as had Keith Lee, right? So you could easily have, say, Champa go out first, and you could have him sell an injury from the night before, whereas Walter's coming in fresh, and he's going out after three minutes mm. for a weak kick. Mm. It's, it just exposes the stupidity of their booking mm. through and through. Yeah. That's it, because the, the end goal at the end of the night was to to put NXT over, wasn't it? Like, NXT won yeah. the night strong with, like, all... You know, if you, if you care about the, the brand supremacy stuff, they did, you know, put them over the majority of the mm-hmm. matches, even having Shayna Baszler win at the end. Like, they... In principle, they're doing the right thing there. It's just the elements of it, isn't it? It's the... It's the, it's like, you know, in principle, them running the, like, coming out on SmackDown and doing a run-in would be a big moment, but the following Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Road Dog on the... On the DX wagon or whatever, and they're the stars, and it's just that they're the kids chasing them. Like you know, most of this is just Triple H is probably politicking for it because it's like yeah. we've gone from Triple H holding like the the smaller wrestlers down to Triple H kind of the smaller wrestlers are like proxies of himself now. So it's more about getting himself and his brand over. So that's kind of the end goal, and they kind of get there, but they do get there in some weird fucking ways. Yeah, they do, don't they? And it's the kind of <laughs> It's the kind of bigger thing I'd say with the weekend that I don't think, I mean, if they're going to be having pay-per-views, which are going to involve all three brands, Mm. then you can't be doing the takeovers the day before. Because in some ways, I think they kind of, I said to Joe at one point, I was was watching it, I was like, what the fuck's going on with all this? It's like, all of these people who the night before were trying to kill each other in the war games are teaming up the next day. It's it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah. Especially the women. Yeah. The logic is just they're all, all they're over all the place. They're best friends the next day for brand supremacy. <laughs> well, as soon as that t yeah, as soon as the, the armband in air case is on, it's like you forget about everything else. Brand um, means brand, mate. It's it's funny because really the big thing about this is they've had Survivor Series. So the question is, what happens tonight? What happens this week? What happens over the next couple of weeks? What are they going to be doing? And obviously the Rumble is going to be the next kind of big show and you're going to have various people from all three brands, I imagine, in that as well. Then in what what are they actually going to be doing in this? Because you can't, you can sort of see, it's horribly cynical, but none of we, none of us have any faith in Vince to kind of go. No, we're playing this out long term to maybe we're going to really build and establish it. In his mind, it's like, well, you won last night, so Raw gets back uh, on top tonight. This is a concerted effort, I think, to try and beat AEW, isn't it? To try and make mm. the brand look strong and make it look like there are stars mm. on there, so they can pop a rating on a Wednesday. But they're yeah. dumb and they'll fight with themselves. You know what they're like. 
they'll, do, they'll, it's like they'll, they'll kind of forget well, that very they, obvious thing that they would normally do. Well, they've made Keith Lee look strong, but mm. I'll be honest, I fear for him long term because Vince will probably look at him at one point and go, hey, it's Christmas coming up. Black Santa. Fucking hell. He'll, he'll think of him as like, hey, he looks like a teddy bear. He'll be he'll have his like Mr. Burns moment with Bobo the bear or something <laughs> and think Keith Lee's his teddy bear and some like... Oh alternative universe like oh i just don't trust vince new nation of domination is he going to follow the armor johnson career trajectory is that what we're getting uh <laughs> it, you just don't have any like because he's different yeah and he's you and he's and he's unique and it was weird actually in terms of some of his facial expressions as well because i think that was part of the really the biggest thing of kind of getting him over and it was like that fire that was in him which actually at times a lot of his character is kind of playing the complete opposite of that but yeah. how he holds his cool in these in these kind of quite serious you know heavy duty matchups mm. and here he's kind of really showing that fire but you know what Vince is like you know he loves that dumb comedy shit and you know uh, that he has got not a fucking ounce of tact within him so he's going to straddle him with some horrible gimmick to the point where he'll probably shorty G will look good by comparison <laughs> It will oh. be given Christmas presents in, within the next month. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed on. That, but then again, let's just hope, you know, they stick to this NXT as its own thing mm. and, they, and, and, oh. and, he, and he never leaves because, like, that's what they're trying to do, isn't it? You know, throwing Kevin Owens over there, throwing Finn Is he Ballard actually on there. NXT? Because he was on the Raw side in the match. Apparently that's where they're going. Um, yeah. That's been oh, I've just while. had a thought. What? Chad Gable, Shorty G. Is going to be a Christmas elf within the next month. <laughs> oh, it's the role he was born to play. Yeah, um, yeah. But but even then, like you know, if they do bring Owens over or you know LinkedIn to take over, like they they brought Balor over, and on paper that's a big start, makes sense. But like I watched the Balor match on Takeover, and I was like, you know what? I've got no real interest in Finn Balor in NXT anymore. He's been there, he's done that. I know it's different with the heel shtick, but I you know again, I'm a man. I would have had you know Riddle go over him any day of the week. And they're obviously, you know, he is a star baller, and I think he is somebody's going to be rated for them. But as far as like creatively doing something interesting in NXT with him, I mean, I guess we'll see. Maybe there is legs in this heel stuff, and that you know they're going towards you know, something with you know the Gargano or Champa or whoever it's going to be. But yeah, I thought that 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 was interesting as well as far as a a match goes, and as far as booking goes, that yeah, they're definitely uh they're going strong with Balor on NXT. I think we're gonna probably like you said, if they if they're wanting to beat AEW on Wednesdays, I think we are. We're going to get a lot out of this, and I think uh, Owens is probably going to be next. Balor, three and a half star ceiling. That's mm. what you got. Dude. Yeah, that's it. I, I, can't... I haven't seen this yet, unbelievably. And if you sort of the the version of Balor I like, which we think of as the Black Island shirt, early Bullet Club version of sort of heel Balor. Hmm. It's it's not him, is it? He's not doing that. He's well, trying to. Against Matt Riddle. I know. Dream match. You'd think that, and I haven't got round to watching it yet. Oh, I think, think Matt Riddle would rather set you on as an Irishman, to be honest, though, mate, than Balor. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually born there, in fairness to him. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I don't know where to go from there. You went three and a half. I'll grapple for that one. Like I say, Ballaseeland, I went three. Thought it was a match. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen all the war games. I watched it on the train down to uh, down to London and then watched the main event on the way back. It sounds like I'm maybe higher than you on the opener, but you know, it sounds like you liked it as well, Joe. I thought the, the women's war games match was, was really well, I thought really well 
maybe there were little issues maybe the structure mm. of it but overall i thought it was really well worked i thought all of the the women involved uh, especially you know yeah dakota kai i thought she was great in her role rhea ripley comes across as an absolute star at this point uh io shirai Again, is perfect in her role She's as, the best. as a baby face. She's yeah. awesome. Oh, when she went up to the top of the cage, like that was just mm. incredible. Even Kaylee Ray looked good in there, as she's used to doing those kind of plunder matches. I thought it was, you know, unfortunately they did the Tegan Knox injury stuff, but other than that, I felt like they, they, you know, unfortunate for her, I suppose. But again, even she played played well as a as selling that beat down. It came across as real. Uh, I would have liked to see Regal uh, sell a little bit more than he uh, than he did there for Dakota Kai. Mm. Uh, maybe take a bump or something. I don't know. Uh, but all in all, I thought, yeah, I think the character work in this thing at least was was top notch. And yeah, I really really enjoyed the especially the uh, the last ten minutes of it. I can see why you think that. Uh, for me, I just did nothing for me. I thought oh, Yosha. Okay. I, I I kind of agree with you on the individual performances. I think one of the problems is. I think it's a, a, just an irrational dislike for Dakota Kai I've got. I just hate her facial expressions. I hate her mopiness. She reminds me of like Aaron Nixon Newell's relationship. It reminds me of like a couple of characters in like Neighbours, where you've got like these two friends and one of them slightly more confident and gets more attention off like blokes. And one of them's like a bit of a mope and she's always like moaning about why she's not getting the attention. Like a Sky Mangle and one of her mates or something. <laughs> And Dakota Scotty Kai, just remember, yeah, Joe Mangle's so daughter. It just reminds me of like someone who's just moping around next to the more confident one, not getting the attention she wants, and she just flips out, and then you get some sad, sad music that plays over the top. And I thought the beat down, if I'm honest, Ben, I was a bit over the top. Oh. It's, Dakota, it's Dakota Kai. I quite like the beat down. Yeah, it was I really liked it. Ah, for me, it was just it's a problem on my part. If it was anyone else. Mm. I'd probably have bought it. It's Dakota Kai. I didn't see it coming. And it was done with a kind of an appropriate... You didn't see it coming? What, the... Well, I've not been following NXT. So I was watching yeah, this completely like... I really had been paying zero attention before the stories. I was like flicking through the entrances as well, to be honest mm. with you. So I was like, okay, fine. So when the attack happened, I was like, oh, shit. Mm. It was quite well done. The issue I had was the idea of two beating four... Like, I don't know, I it get, didn't I sit get, well. Uh, I get what they're trying to achieve. And it's that idea of they do get to the place where Rhea Ripley and you're wanting to build it up against, against Shane about. I completely get that kind of stuff. I thought Mia Yim was going to, apparently, because she'd been in, taken out. I think they were mentioning. Did it on the before, pre-show. On yeah. the, oh, did it on the pre-show. I turned yeah. on, it on okay. as I was watching Match of a Day. At the so I assumed she'd come limping out. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I could see that as like a story beat they could have done. But I you know I didn't have a problem with them putting the baby faces over. I think maybe the no part of JPS was so used to them being so shit at booking baby faces. Yeah. That actually booking, you know, especially I know Candice LeRae was there too, but booking Rhea that strong, considering the clear potential she's got. I didn't yeah. mind it. I I mean I I, I think because of I mean, the, the leg up it had, like, on the men's match, you know, again, I didn't, you know, the first five minutes or so were a bit awkward, but then they really got into it. I ended up going four and a half stars on it. Like, it's one of my favourite <laughs> yeah, things. I, I don't go that high on a WWE match ever. Um, but I think the difference was, like, I, comparing and contract like, the, the men's match, it was just big bumps. But I think this, 
It had mm. a story. Yeah, there was more of a story focus in this one. It, they really yeah. sucked me in with it. Like oh. I say, the big heel turn, the baby faces overcoming. Uh, I was banging into it. Uh, but I do get it, yeah. If you don't like the people involved, then I can see that criticism. It's not that I dislike everyone involved. Mm. In fact, I quite like a lot of the people involved. But Just the ones. I don't know. <laughs> to, the problem is to me as well, right? And it's the problem with both of these matches. Oh, it's November. Oh, we got to do a war games. All right, better do a feud of eight people where we could build yeah, to a war games that's match. True, yeah. And it's just it's just how unorganic it feels. And whenever I've watched these matches, all I can think of is Sting Squadron against the Dangerous yeah. Alliance or the Horseman against whatever combination of whoever the Horseman I face. Brian Pillman being the ba- underdog babyface of a 1991 war games. And I think those were feuds mm. and those matches were based around hate mm. and dislike and tension. Whereas these, what are they based around really? It's, oh, it's an event, better have a war games match. And and you've got... It's all kind done, of like an opportunity. What, what they've done as well is they've conditioned the crowd to gimmick match means plunder. Tables, tables, we want tables. It's like, ah, that's not war games. That's not war, no. what war games is invented for. I get the things change, but you've just made it kind of not feel as special mm. by introducing fucking tables and other gimmicks to it. So it's when people come out and they start throwing out all the plunder stuff, I'm like, right, you've lost me. Mm. Because I just want people beating the shit out of each other. Mm. I want proper brawls. And all I was thinking was, when we get that war games in AEW, we're going to get the elite versus the inner circle and a proper feud that's been built for months. Cody is going to be going over war games matches between 1987 and 1992. And he's going to be studying them (laughs) and taking stuff from those matches that we've not seen in years. And I'm going to be invested. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. Mm. There's going to be blood. There's going to be people beating the shit out of each other with proper punches. There's going to be cheers as people feel the hatred in the building. Mm. And it's going to be great. And there was none of that in either of these matches. I, I think that's definitely, I mean, I think we disagree on, I think that's very, very much I agree with that with the main event. I, th- I think maybe the fact that we had the turn in there gave it maybe that level of, of hate. I didn't hate that. On I the same team, though, not yeah, between I suppose factions. So. Yeah, but, but again, I think maybe I just like the underdog stuff more. But I get what but you're you, saying. You've got to have the epic turn, the big <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah. rather than, and it's a moment rather than, hate that's that built up do. over months and weeks and this is the ultimate culmination of these two teams hating each other like it would it, i don't know it would be like mike tyson facing lennox lewis or something back in the day and mike <laughs> tyson decides to turn on don king before the match and spark him out <laughs> and take the old purse for the match <laughs> that'd be kind of fucking awesome i mean i'd take that too uh, but yeah, yeah. You're, you're right though like because the aw one as well you know dustin's gonna be in there so there's got to be that, that legacy of like the pre. Ah, oh, it's gonna. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to that match. I hope it doesn't disappoint now. Because I'm building up to. <laughs> I know. Oh no, I'm with you. I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's. I I I think I said to, to you both over the weekend. Like, I honestly feel like they were planning on that for the big Thanksgiving show. Yeah. And they've changed the mind now that WWE have gone out there and wheeled two out because you know as much as I love the fair, the women's match, like I, I did feel like the men's match is absolutely everything you're talking about there, Joe. I hated it. I just thought it was spots for the sake of spots. Yeah. And, you know, I enjoyed it as a, I suppose I could enjoy it on one level as like a GIF match. Like if I just watched the GIFs on Twitter, I think I would have enjoyed it. But that's the one that kind of 
drove it home to me is like WWE have yeah you know and we said this the first couple of times they've done war games they've mm-hmm. really they've tried to put their own spin on it and they have you know I, I do agree turned it into to something else with you know weapons and big table spots and more dangerous spots than you know that finish like I was genuinely genuinely yeah. terrified for Adam Cole that you'll probably even see in the AEW war games match but yeah I do think we'll get more drama there but yeah I I, I really. You know, I, where I definitely agree, I really didn't enjoy that main event. I don't know if you both uh, got a chance to see it. Uh, the, yeah, I did. I was I was kind of bored. It felt very interchangeable with the last War Games that I'd seen, like in some ways. I just didn't feel like there was... And at that point, I'd already seen a bloody War Games match. Yeah, that's it's the problem war games And that's it. And it was the same dynamic games. of just, of like, admittedly, you've got Undisputed Era together, but there's no, there's, there's the blood feud that kind of stuff, the drama from it. So I wasn't feeling it and I would, and I'd had fatigue from already seeing one war games match. I think I might've got three stars. Tables aren't hate. Yeah. And I don't like the tables. When I was trying the, we want tables, I was thinking I kind of dislike tables more than anything else in terms of plunder and wrestling. They've Mm. conditioned idiots over time and mm. the idiots have fell for it it's like when we watched that bloody fiend Daniel Bryan match earlier I was going to say one match we forgot to review his entrance on their phones you're like you can watch this on the WWE Network probably on YouTube afterwards what the fuck are you filming on your phones you bloody sheep sorry <laughs> did you enjoy that one then Joe? no oh. I liked the Daniel Bryan periods of offence because yeah. he's great and I was watching it thinking why are you here what are you doing here? You should have just gone, mate. I wish you and Brie Bella never met. Uh, I, you know what? I, I, that's harsh. He's got a great <laughs> life. Good on yeah. him, He deserves it. What could but, have been, though, Joe? What could have been? Yeah, that's Fiend, mate. They're just worse gimmick going. Worse than the librarian. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the red tint obviously takes away from the match, makes it even shitter than it's probably already going to be. The um, It was interesting that the crowd was really pro Daniel. Well, there'd been obviously was anything about how hot the fiend is. That crowd were much, obviously they were much hotter for Daniel Bryan, much more into him. Mm. And it was any time that Daniel Bryan was on offense, the match was interesting. Otherwise it just died a death. Why do we While have the to commentators get? said stuff that was so inane that there's no way you can remember it. You'd have to be live typing it as it's going through because the words just go through your head, just involving demons <laughs> And other such Demonic shite. spells. Ah, uh, and it's just like it's fucking Mike Rotunda's kid, your assholes. I'm not a fucking moron. Stop, stop doing this bollocks. And he's wearing the mask, begging for kicks. It's absolute fucking garbage. And really is. You've wasted Daniel Bryan on the fee when he could have been in that Survivor Series match. And we could have got segments with Daniel Bryan and Ricochet. We could have got segments mm. with Daniel Bryan and Matt Riddle. Ah, uh, Daniel Bryan and Walter Keith Lee. Ah. Uh. Just, ah, oh, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm getting off thinking about it. <laughs> well, we, we talked about this on Sunday, weren't we? And I Googled it. Well, when's Brian's contract up? 2021. Yeah. So, there's not even a light at the end of that tunnel, unfortunately. Well, there's an interesting landscape out there for them to go into. Mm. So I think, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot more different places um, that, that oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Sorry, it's the nakedness talking. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Uh, that's all right great <laughs> thought i was gonna say thank you but no one will ever know what it is yeah good man um i suppose that's uh as good the time as any to uh to move on then uh should we talk the the brit res stuff we uh we got to this weekend oh i thought it was dead <laughs> no? Is that well, not, not the case 
Tetsujin's definitely dead. There is that. Uh, there's a whole story there. But I don't know. What do you want to go with first? Tetsujin, RevPro? Dealer's choice. What do you reckon, JP? I'd start off with Tetsujin. Tell us about it. Because it sounded like a bloody good show while we were sitting here like watching Boris Ro- Boris Johnson have his arse held handed to him. I can't even fucking talk. Uh, and to him in the city of Sheffield, he did a bang-up job. Yeah, Martin Bushby, British wrestling experience, your town, your own city, did a fucking job. What a <laughs> smart, educated audience. Next debate, Southampton, December wow. the 6th. I'm sure we'll bring great shame upon... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I feel ashamed to come from the city of Southampton on that day. Yeah. That's all I'll say. But we'll see. But, yeah, you watched arse-kicking of another kind, though, didn't you? Definitely, yeah. Like, yeah, Tatsujin, to be honest, like, mentioned the whole Brit Res is dead thing. Um, yeah. Tatsujin, for me, kind of bookends the whole Brit Res boom period. Like, I've been... It's only me, Mark Buckledew, who did a cracking review on the postwrestling.com uh, of this show. Everyone should go out and read it. But me and Andy Ogden and Shauna are literally, as far as I know, the four people who went to all three. Uh, there weren't many people at that first one, so I'm pretty confident on that. But people can correct me if otherwise. But it really does like book in like this this Brit Rose room. Like the first show was November 2015, so four years ago now, right at the start of, of it all kicking off. Like I went not really knowing what to expect. Um, I kind of you know obviously knew of the style, and you know my mates were far more into it than I was. But I went along just to to see something different. And like you look at like the lineup of people on that first show, and it's like you know okay, Jack Gallagher and Zach Gibson. You know I was used to watching them wrestle each other on uh, on shows in the northwest. That was kind of what my brute res experience was at that point. But you know, Brooke Chris Brooks was on there, Tyler Bates both of them it was the first time i'd seen either of them trent seven was on there obviously i knew the name but i hadn't seen much of him first time seeing walter live as, as big daddy walter against tommy end again a name and you but you know somebody who maybe i'd not seen a, a huge amount of going in, into that period it was quite a like i say interesting you know experiment of all these guys who were maybe hot in the maybe in the midlands and you know we're, we're getting a name as, as brit res was starting to starting to go into that boom period but it was a, a big chance like the lads kind of took on on that show you know i think maybe being generous there were 50 people there and it was 50 people who were kind of in silence not really know whether they were supposed to cheer or boo i remember it was the first time i met the ogdens as well so there you go there's another reason to uh to bookend uh the, the brit res boom period like I, I remember speaking to to jeff and andy then before i knew them and jeff was hating every <laughs> second of it uh not his not his style of wrestling to say the least that uh yeah he, he didn't turn up at the second one but he did come round to the uh to the third one at least and yeah it was really good like kind of a I for me like a, a, as far as my Brit Res found them a bit of a landmark moment um you know as far as again a different show and a show that maybe exposed me to to people whose maybe names I'd I'd loosely heard of but hadn't actually seen wrestle too much at that point plus we kind of had a heckling bar staff it was in the uh the Blackie in Liverpool and there was a barmaid behind the bar who just didn't really understand why these dudes were in the ring just grappling uh and not hitting each other with steel chairs and was uh screaming so from the bar area so so there was that as well but did you did you guys ever see that on tape i know you guys came to the mm. second one with me but did you ever no, see the first i don't one? feel like i've ever seen a tetsujin show i was at the second one <laughs> couldn't see the ring yeah yeah we our second one where we uh we famously did a, a very good review on the uh the toilets uh in hangar 34 in liverpool can uh, open worms uh, everywhere uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think we can say it now. Glenn Joseph took a legendary shit that day. Yeah, uh, mate, <laughs> more like a political protest. I think, judging from what you two said. <laughs> oh, mate, uh, I will never forget that uh, going into the toilets in Hangar Thirty Four and uh, having to turn right out of Warper House again as uh, Glenn Joseph sheepishly uh, walked out of the, the lone cubicle. There, yeah. I think we spent about fifteen minutes on the review talking about that when we did it on Indie Corner, mainly because, as Joe said, that was a, that that particular one. You know it. The first show, because there were only there weren't that many people there, and I was right up against the ring, and you can absolutely take everything in. But that second one, yeah, Hangar wasn't the best venue mm. for it because it's quite condensed, and as soon as you're like three or four people back, you've just got no chance of you. I think there was a, wasn't there a point where we were watching the show literally over yeah. G-Man's shoulder as he was yep. doing the live edit of the yeah. show? Yeah, we were for that. Yeah, yeah. but the, yeah, that's it. So they were unfortunately like our memories of that of that second one. That plus Travis Banks hitting that uh, slice of yep. heaven in a shoot style match. He would he'd get undone by uh, Akid doing a Spanish flying ambition this year. But yeah, that was a weird tournament, kind of the inclusion of like Omari. Um, he was, you know, somewhat hot at the time. This was 2018. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, the very start of last year. So not quite two years ago, but you know, maybe 18 months ago. Um, yeah, he was in there. Brooks again kind of went to the final. I think the maybe the abiding memory as far as matches go, Zack Sabre and David Starr. Mm-hmm. I remember moving a little bit closer to that one to, to edge that one out. That was a great super fight. Yeah. But definitely, a, you know, an interesting show. And we had a, we had a cracking weekend that weekend too. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really good fun. Um, for it, mm. it's it's kind of strange at this point because it seems I'm imagining the third one was the was it would you you'd say it's the best of the three that you went to? I'd say so. I, th- I think the second one was was strong from what yeah. I know, <laughs> from what I could see. The, the first one was just interesting as far as being something different that I'd never mm. myself experienced before. But yeah, and, and you know, and that second one kind of came. I think you know we all knew Brit Res was on the the downswing but you're kind of on the, the tail end ish uh of st- things being stronger this third one kind of comes at a time where you know things are in an influx and things aren't as strong at least at the top level as we uh, went into in detail last time so instead yeah with this third one they a couple of things changed they moved it to manchester rather than liverpool uh it was to do with the uh, issues with the uh, the venue uh, i believe it was the blackie in liverpool they were originally going to go to i think there was some talk of a grand central as well I might be getting that wrong but yeah in any event they ended up having to move to manchester and i think for that reason it was probably it felt like the best attended yet um not by a dramatic amount it didn't you know i mentioned it talked earlier about how much uh, i love that uh, that fairfield venue it's only downside is because of like that the area where the bar is and where you have to put the ring you still can't get that many people in there i would probably put it as a maximum 200 capacity and this felt more in the 150 range but hard to say really because we were all kind of crowded around the ring and there were some people up in the in the balcony as well um but yeah i think the crowd was hotter than in the uh, the previous two i thought uh mainly the probably the fact that there was some uh homegrown manchester talent on there too uh, but again, yeah, I think the venue helps too because it was it was a cracker night of wrestling and yeah, speaking to that kind of change in Brit Res that we've gone through over the uh, the last few years, the the headline the headline of this tournament, the uh, Tetsuna Tetsuna's fucking dead, 
uh, they called it the final Tetsujin, was that they were going with prospects. They were going with young lads and they were going with, like, a, I suppose the next generation of Tetsujin was kind of the, the argument. I know, you know, the first two, I think Brooks, Brooks made the final both times, didn't he? So, yeah, we didn't go go that route. Uh, I think Brooks, was he already in Japan? Maybe maybe that was the reason. We didn't go that route and get the uh, the crowning of shoot fighter Chris Brooks, <laughs> uh, which I'm very glad of and what we were maybe expecting for the third show. And instead, we kind of, yeah, got this the showcase for for young talent really and you know it's hard to go through these tetsujin shows and essentially you know it's it's grappling you know it's it's shoot style it's a you do fi style however you want to describe it as far as like blow by blow like match stuff goes but as far as you know the the, the young lads uh in the prospect stuff the, the standouts is probably the best starting point luke jacobs and ethan allen like they had they had the match here that was the main event of the first half that probably had a louder crowd than anything else on the show. Like, if you're going to do this whole, you know, it's the next generation of Tetsuji and doing the, the prospect thing, these are the two lads you get for it. Because, yeah, being a, I don't think this is the have worked as well in Liverpool because, again, them coming out there, being, you know, future shock guys that I would say everyone to a man in that venue knows of and, and are big fans of. I think they're respectively 18 and 19 years old. Jesus. Absolutely crazy. You could be the dad, JP, yeah. both of them. Uh, but they were in there just beating the absolute piss out of each other in a way. You know, Grapple Gareth said it on uh, on the Graps and Claps podcast, you know, and he said it to me there live that night. Like, that is the way... You, two mates in a ring that's what you're gonna get isn't it you're gonna you're gonna just hit that little bit harder because you know you can get away with it and that's what they did and it was a a strike battle as much as anything uh as a match and yeah i said it i gave myself on grabs and claps that you know if chris ridgeway had been there he'd be looking down like a proud dad because my god they were going for it there were great spots in there luke jacobs trying to nick the uh the Ishii, uh, you know, the where he uh, went to uh, the ropes with his teeth. Was it against Moxley? That match Omega. That did that on? Was it the G1? The Omega. first, oh, yeah, that match, US title tournament. That yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's when that was. Yeah, they, they kind of robbed that. That got a huge reaction. Just everything, everything they did, really, in the match got a big reaction. It was, it was just one where I think everyone... You know, there were lots of chance for both of them and there were lots of chance for them as a team, uh, the Young Guns, uh, not to be confused with uh, any other tag teams as we've uh, done these last few weeks. But it, it just felt like a crowd that was willing this, you know, this fight between two people that they love to just go for it. And yeah, it, it was a match that like, I think the two of them are, are going to look back proudly on and a match that felt like a, a, st- a standout match. And when this goes on on VOD, I think people who aren't aware of them are going to be very aware of them. Again, the very young, you know, Luke Jacobs maybe is filling out, you know, better of the two. Ethan Allen does look, even for his age, looks extremely young. But yeah, if these two are going to be, I feel like they're going to be massive stars as long as they follow, you know, the route that we all hope they do. I mean, uh, I'm sure they're on the NXT UK radar already, but this is a team, especially a team with a style that they've got that is better suited for things outside of, of that canon. And yeah, this was a, a perfect uh, example of that. I'm ho- really hoping that yeah, we get to see more of them maybe doing this style, doing a doing an ambition maybe, uh, or doing other, you know, big matches like this because yeah, the world really does need to to start seeing these two lines. Yeah, they sound like, I mean, we saw Luke Jacobs obviously at, uh, at Future Shock and he really looked something special. I mean, was Ethan Allen on that show? I think he might well have been actually. Um, no, it was while oh, he was right, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed so like it's interesting. So they went with there was no tournament this time around. Is that right? 
Oh, so confused. Honestly, at half time, like after we had the the four like young boy matches, and I'll mention a couple of others in a minute. Like it was like a it was like a comedy sketch. I think it was Andy Ogden who first came over and was like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, how many matches we got left in the second half. We got the semi final." I was like, "There's not a tournament." And then like Buckledy, maybe it might be him or someone else came over and was like, "So, so is it semi finals and fight?" I was like, "No, mate, it's not a tournament." And honestly, about four or five different people made that same comment to me. I think people just expected it because of the the previous format but to be honest i think it worked out better not yeah. doing that because you got you got to just do luke versus ethan and you know kind of get that you know quote not dream match but you know big match out the way you got to do you know the women's match with danny luna and millie mckenzie like that you know the, the two of them like their style was perfectly suited for this i think millie mckenzie is someone who you know is but could can come across as immature as a wrestler sometimes, but I think her style, again, similar to the other two, lends itself mm. more to an environment like this than, you know, when she was threatening to be signed by NXT UK and that all kind of went a bit quiet and she's uh, stayed on the indies instead. Perfectly suited to like her kind of young kind of female shooter, you know, when she does like the the kind of mini uh, MMA or the mini like hard hard-nosed kind of wrestler stuff with like Pete Dunne and people like that. She was perfect for it. And Danny Luna, again, is someone who I've not really been impressed with before, but when they were in there together, it, it really, to be honest, if it hadn't been for, for the Young Guns match, I might have said it was the match of the night. And you got the, by dropping the tournament format, you got the chance to to do stuff like that instead and, and have matches like that. Because yeah, them two, lots of big suplexes, lots of, I mean, kind of, it had the best finish of the night with kind of, it was like a, you know, like one of those uh, MMA finishes where there's just raining down blows in the in the ropes mm-hmm. in the corner um, until you know the referee stopped it. Danny Luna just beating the shit out of out of Millie McKenzie. Uh, that was really really something special. So you got to see something different like that. You know, Vite Muller, Jay Joshua. You know, two lads who maybe I probably wouldn't have wanted to see Jay Joshua with anyone else in the tournament. That was you know to quote UJP, your big beefy lads beating yeah. shit out of each other. Match you got to you got to have that. You got to have you know the super fights that were on the night as well as the the women's one. You know, David Starr and and A Kid. Uh, David Starr again was a highlight of the uh, the second Tetsujin show. So you know, no no surprise here that he was gonna deliver again again they had a very i would say pro wrestling style match that was kind of a, a theme of the night there was a lot of you know grappling in like say your jordan Briggs, michael may kind of match but a lot of you know there's a lot of stand-up I, th- I felt like there was more stand-up than in the first two like we've maybe learned something a little bit from some of the complaints from the uh the previous ones but yeah star naked did it in a very pro wrestling style like i mentioned earlier we didn't get the standing uh, spanish fly uh in a shoot fight but we did get a kid the 10 Tempting to do a Rana. Uh, luckily, it was a counter by Star into a into a powerbomb, and then he speaking of uh, of wrestling uh, style stuff. But they kind of they kept it realistic at least, and and that really worked as well. Uh, the Ogden Corner had an incredible uh, Starman chant for David Star. The uh, in the sta- the style of David Bowie. Uh, that was kind of that brought them to life. I felt like Jeff Ogden after a, after enough beer, kind of uh, came into his own, uh, belted that one out in the corner. Uh, so that was really that's what cool. made him and, yeah, fall in I, love I, I really with Tetsujin, was it at that point? That was. I, I think that's what it is. I think that's what you need. You know, some good beers, some good chanting, and you've got your Ogden's yeah. into it. It really works. But yeah, I felt like yeah, this new this new format really really uh, helped in that regard. Okay, because I mean, one of the things obviously it's the last show that they're going to do, um, and it's interesting mm-hmm. to kind of think from a legacy perspective about where it goes that 
if there's if there's a message from it, and it seems to be that this is the one that they kind of like, it's the peak of it when they had those three shows. Really, that there mm. isn't probably a viable market for that type of promotion. Certainly not the way the UK landscape is at the moment. Something like to be mm. really viable, but it still brings out the why not have one, maybe two matches on a eight match card being in this kind of format, the, 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 this mm. kind of style. I think that would add something different and unique. And I remember thinking that yeah. like the first time I saw Ambition live, I'm just thinking it doesn't need to be the whole card, but there's enough. If you're looking for real variation in a card, this kind of grappling sort of UWFI mm. style is, you know, I've always thought it's generally the way to go. And that venue's a cracking venue. So, yeah, when seeing stuff coming through about it, it was like, this looks like a really good show. And it's like, yeah, oh, it's, it seemed like it's a perfect venue and it's like they kind of hit the right format right at the very end. Definitely, yeah. And I think... Again, you, you you touched on it there. There's a I heard, I saw Tassolo Young say that you know this is a niche within a yes. niche within a niche, and it is, isn't it? Like, and I think that maybe there was maybe a time a couple couple of years ago where maybe they could have, I don't know, uh, taken a bit more advantage of the you know Brit Res when it was in its proper proper boom period. I don't you know I think this is the limit for it for this show series like this. It happens in ambition, doesn't it? You know, we go to them and the the, the lowest attended shows of current yeah. weekend, and that's where the load of people flying out and you know people who were who were living in the area for that weekend, and it still doesn't do you know absolutely you know it doesn't do blow away numbers. Uh, but no, I think that, that that's the thing, and I think you know an example of that. You know, the main events of the show was Tim Thatcher and Jordan Devlin, and Thatcher is someone who you've got to imagine. You know the lads have wanted on one of these mm. uh, Tetsujin shows, uh, and this is you know the one where they've finally been able to uh, able to make it happen. But it was just a WXW World Title match, but it was in the Tim Thatcher style, and the Tim Thatcher style is this Tetsujin style, and it was kind of that you know that big moment of having a you know getting a WXW title match in Manchester of all places, and you're getting you know a Tim Thatcher who again couldn't be anybody else who's a better you know banner carrier for this style you know going out on a on a big main event like this and you know someone who is gonna carry this style on because yeah i thought this i mean i've seen i think buckledy again in his uh in his post review put this over as the as the match of the night just i think against the uh against the young ones match i maybe wasn't quite as uh as into it as he was but it was still great it was the jamesy invitational <laughs> uh match that you know you're gonna get you know it was a thatcher match you know he was over as as he always as he is in germany which was impressive i think mm. this is a this is a you know a, a, again niche within a niche this crowd are gonna react to someone like a tim thatcher he was as charismatic as we see him on those Germany weekends that you maybe people don't always see when he uh, when he's doing bigger shows or you know when he's in America. Um, but yeah, I thought it was absolutely incredible. He kind of dominated it with his, his size and and skill. There was a lot of stuff with Devlin pulling out you know the boxing stuff. Yeah, like he's been uh, teasing in his uh, in his OTT matches, but really, yeah, it was just your Tim Thatcher match. He had all his normal spots like his you know that belly to belly he does off the off the ropes off the kind of the momentum one, um, and it was just pure yeah a Tim. Not a Tim Thatcher exhibition, but you know Tim Thatcher in his in his purest style, and it, it only went thirteen minutes. Felt a lot longer. I was shocked when I when I found that out later in the pub that it was that it was that short. But yeah, this match for me is the uh, again. I, th- I think this 
and the Young Guns match are the two that are going to translate most to VOD, and I would say people should should check it out when it comes out. But the, this is the type of thing that makes you think, yeah, maybe there's you know there is there is legs in this style, and you could do it as you know Thatcher was on the Progress Show at the weekend having a Proteus title match against uh, Paul Robinson. I genuinely thought that's the direction they were going to go. You know, put that belt on Thatcher and let him do these kinds of rules somewhere because there's absolutely legs in it. And you know, again, niche within a niche. They managed to the fact that they even managed to put on these three shows is genuinely impressive uh i think a lot a lot when went into putting these together and i think you know they're, they're not going to be the most profitable things uh in the world but you know if you're a lover of this style of wrestling then you know this this little niche that the uh, tetujin have operated in the last uh, four years or so is uh, definitely commendable and yeah I, I, i'm glad to say i went to all three again went to the first one not, not really being my style came out of the third one maybe a bit more amenable uh, to the style that i was going into the first one so maybe uh converted somebody like me there and yeah hopefully you know while the uh, the promotion might be dead yeah i think we'll hopefully see a bit more of this style just same in mm. one-offs in little tournaments on big weekenders like a super strong style or something hopefully uh, it's not the last we've uh, we've seen of the style in uh, in this country. Yeah, you and the Tetsu, the Tetsujin Five, as you'll be known on now. <laughs> That's us. I think we deserve a plaque or something. I feel I feel like I want something on the wall that we uh, we went through all the Tetsujins. Mm-hmm. Need to uh, need to sort that out. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, that was Tetsujin. I'll talk a bit more about that on uh, on post wrestling's uh, BWE later this week. That I'll be doing a flying visit on as I'm uh, heading to Berlin myself on Wednesday. And you're filling in, aren't you, JP? For me, I think is, is that. I, yes, I am. Yeah, I'll, I'll be filling. In, I'll be yeah, filling yeah. in this Wednesday. Cool. So you get to hear JP, and also yeah, if you want to hear a little bit more of the from me on uh, on Tetsu, you can listen to that there. But yeah, uh, the same weekend, like I say, this weekend we were all uh, at Rev Pro as well. Uh, I'm all talked out from Tetsu. I missed the fucking main event, so I feel like you two can uh, can lead this one, uh, lads. How did you enjoy Rev Pro on Sunday? I thought personally it was it it needed to be a good show, and I think overall it was a good show. For what it was. Yeah, I thought back to basics. Yeah. No major errors, no major disastrous talking points. Which, Apart from Ben, I missed this. Well, almost missed this train. Well, yeah. The the main event. That was fucking yeah. close, lads. Yeah. Honestly. I, I made that train with five yeah. to ten uh, minutes, that's, maybe? that's the only disaster that came out of the show. But other, other uh, than that, you, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no major negative talking points coming out of the show, I would say. Uh, yeah, it was probably one of the better York Hall shows in a while, I would say. Yeah, it was. And it was partly, it's really strange thing I said to both of you <coughs> at the time when going in, <coughs> sorry, knowing that when it, it's not sold out, I kind of like York Hall when it's not entirely sold out and quite cramped. You can get a nice space at the back and kind of watching in, in relative comfort. And we're kind of happy stood there. And for that, I kind of felt a lot more relaxed going in, but I also didn't have the kind of expectations I normally would have at a York Hall show when there was that kind of obvious big main event. There was the pack red match, which which kind of, you know, having never seen Amazing Red in the flesh, it was, you know, had that kind, that had a real nostalgia factor for, for me, and I know for you, Ben, that being the case. Um, but I thought overall it was good. Looking, looking at the numbers, interesting weekends. A few weeks ago, Ben, I remember you saying that get a kind of barometer of how they are with the mm. boat pair running at the same time. I'd say uh, from by all accounts, and I haven't even seen pictures from it, the progress sold out. 
Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. I was looking because I was on the train down, and I realised I hadn't actually even bought a ticket yeah. for Pro yet. So I was on Twickets having a look at the uh, comparisons. Progress tickets were a little bit cheaper, but yeah, Rev Pro. I, I would, I'd say it was a tie on that. If, if you're talking, to, if you're using this as a barometer for UK brand supremacy, I would probably say it was a tie as far as attendance goes. Because yeah, I felt like maybe 700 at Rev Pro, and I, that's what it. I think that's. I reckon a, there's a few a, more a, than that. Thinking closer yeah, to eight hundred, possibly. The balcony yeah. looked a, a little bit fuller than yeah, when it's yeah. really empty. Because I've seen less in your mm. call when they've drawn seven hundred before for shows mm. like sort of 2014-15 mm. sort of period when mm. it, they weren't so sort of hot. Um, mm. So I, would, I reckon it was about eight hundred, if anything. Either way, I mean, I suppose to a degree slightly better than perhaps what we thought well, it was going to be at that point 1, in time. 1,500 wrestling fans in London on a Sunday afternoon. Brit wrestlers alive and well. Yeah, exactly. Problem sorted. Yeah, the end. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, so as a show, um, yeah, kind of a couple of, the real question is for us, for me and Joe, I can see us going to these shows in the future. They're going to be like this around the kind of crop of younger talent that they, you can tell are going to be a feature of it. Obviously, Michael Oka, which unfortunately you wouldn't have seen. But for you, I suppose the real question is, is it worth the travel down? No, I don't think it is. I wouldn't travel to Manchester or something for this sort of shit. Mm. No one. Mm. Yeah, it- it wasn't. I, I would. I would outright say that it wasn't. Like I, like I said, I travelled down and I, I'd even, I'd even forgotten to get a ticket. Like I just, <laughs> I think that shows you that the Brit Res is uh, is on its last legs. That I'm just, I, I just, I didn't knew. Uh, I'll sort a ticket at some point. And when it came to the literal day itself, I still could have sorted myself out. Uh, thanks to uh, it's Joel as well who uh, who sorted me a ticket uh, in the end. Uh, him and his mate Tom, yeah, lads. But, good blokes. Yeah. Like I think that says everything about my maybe I was I was genuine I mean I only came down for for I came down for the wrong reason it was to see Amazing Red live and to see him against Pack you know in that regard mm. too but yeah there's nothing really about Rev Pro that draws me as a brand you know uh, I think Grapple Gareth said it to me before you know I'm gonna get that over by the way Grapple Gareth uh, also Grapple Garland who turned up on it on Grapple mm-hmm. this week I'll get that over too but he, he'll always say like yeah it's just <sighs> Rev Pro's just a dead brand it's just uh, I just don't. I don't feel any kind of loyalty to it or any kind of reason to come to their shows. It is, it feels like a, it feels like what Brit Res was like, and it's not, maybe it's not the worst thing, but you know, if you've got, I'm not coming because I want to see, you know, the conclusion of any kind of ongoing story or, or come mm-hmm. every, you know, couple of months to see an ongoing story. I'll come when you book the big dream match that I care about. And that's kind of, you know, why I got the, the Andy Q's dream factory, um, kind of link, uh, slogan around it that everyone uses like i think that that's the thing with red pro right now you've really got to you've got to deliver something like that to get me to to make the trip down and like i said wasn't impressed that they ran i say they ran late but they never really advertised the finishing time i think we just kind of assumed that you know with 8 30 being the cockpit finish time and you know with being a sunday afternoon maybe they'd start a little bit early they didn't start till five did they and at that point i knew i was going to be missing the main event yeah, I, I I can't see myself coming down again for 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 another Rev Pro show unless you know it's something major or unless you know maybe I'll come if we do a big weekend. Mm. Be, uh, I stay at yours, JP, and there's a a roast dinner on offer or something as always like that. But <laughs> Rev Pro itself, yeah, it's probably not going to sell me on a on a six hour round trip at this. Yeah, point. I don't blame you. I completely understand. Kind of says everything you need to know about Brit Rest, if anything. <laughs> I think that. 
you know, I'm not willing to travel for anything at this point. I'm going to go south coast, London. That's basically it for me. And I'll carry on going to York All Shows. Not renewing the cockpit season ticket. I'll go occasionally. It's only up the road. So, yeah. But as a show, I thought generally good. Nothing bad. Um, I thought they did a pretty decent job again. Oakham over further, mm. kind of giving them a big moment uh, at York Hall. Further in, uh, playing off the uh, Oku Pack match from earlier this year at the cockpit and establishing a rematch mm. going forward as well. What with Pack, the elimination of Pack in the main event was kind of the worst point of the night. I thought mm. it was just like, ah, oh, of course, fucking politics of 2019 <laughs> wrestling. Yeah, whatever. Do, do you think? Because I've, I've heard people say that, and I know. You know, James yeah, has said that a on. lot of people went that route. Actually, yeah. I think they're doing what AEW should have done. Like, AEW have been far too quick to be Pac. Like, I would have carried that on. I would have, like, he's got a genuine heat, like, even from the likes of us because of us, you know, not losing in that period. I I, I, I think I think if I was Rev Pro, I'd be doing it on purpose. And, and you know, the building's that Oku match, aren't they, from the, the minimal bit of the main event that I saw. I think they've already announced it, haven't they, for the 15th of December. They're doing that match. So, you know, I think, I think, I think, that's where he loses, and I think I think they're playing mm. up the heat at this point. Okay, yeah, uh, fair point. Yeah. Maybe they are. I hope they are. Uh, if anything, because um, that'd be a great moment. Yeah, well, I, I, he's not going to win. I can't see it. <laughs> oh, wow. Effectively, think, the, yeah, that, that'll Mike Loke, who's the that'll British Ben Kane. I hope wow. so, but we'll see. We'll see. Because yeah, you, yeah, you can come out of this with a defense Hasmo rematch as well, which they've got to at some point. So there's good stuff I think coming out if you can get Pack and. El Fantasmo for the dates. Um, I'm all right with that. I think they've rebuilt the Legion of Lords pretty well. I can't lie. I'm loving this great O'Khan Rampage Brown tag team. <laughs> you were so happy with that. Oh, I'm a big fan. And they've got some serious, hoss, beefy fucker presence. And Lord Gideon Gray is the manager. Ah, oh, great move. Great. What yeah. a man Gideon Gray is. And I, I've really enjoyed that match. I think... Yeah. Might have been my favourite match of a night, possibly. Moonlight's Moonlight um, really good. First time really seeing good. that. Khan's not mm. very good. Rampage Brown, the tag team, I'm perfectly fine with that. He can kind of work with anyone you need him to work with. Weird styles clashing it. I thought the match worked. It was good. Uh, there were some great double team spots from the Moonlight Express. I, I want to see more Moonlight Express. If they're on cockpit shows, that's a way of getting me, mm. getting me to them. I don't know how long uh, Mao is over here for. I don't know how long Bailey's here for. I wish Bailey would just bloody move. There's a big DDT, big Japan tournament around. It's the one that Brooks is over as well. So I'm really glad of the break from him. I can't lie. I've not seen him wrestle live for months now, and it's good. It feels really good to not see him. Um, And I'm glad he wasn't on this show. Um, Yeah. Anyway, to get off of uh, Chris Brooks. Did, did, did want to say we had a, a very brief conversation with Great O'Khan. Yeah, I spoke to Great O'Khan on the merch table. I was told him about how much I love his Instagram. What a great account. I spoke to him about Manol covers, a little bit about... Um, Weymouth. Weymouth, how he spends a lot of time down there, takes some good pictures. And I was like, oh, mate, we'll get a picture for, for the Instagram, mate, for my Instagram, a bit of content. He went, oh, yeah, £10, £10. Like, mate, I, I just said to him, mate, when you're Tanahashi, I'll give you a tenner. Until then, no. <laughs> he just walks off. It's the fucking cheek of it. 
Oh, he got revved over. How many, I heard how like many followers have I got on Instagram? I was showing my girlfriend his Instagram <laughs> the other day. I was like, look at this mad Japanese bloke over here. Loves a man I'll cover. Every picture, Hula Ganuli likes this. <laughs> Beno yeah. likes this. It's like... I have yeah. got that bloke some Instagram followers. Could you give me a fucking picture of the cheeky <laughs> bastard? Oh yeah, that, that's shock. I mean, I heard he was doing that at uh, that Manchester con we went to. The people were going up to him for pictures, and he was doing the same thing. Like, I don't know who he thinks he is, but come on, mate, you, you it, it, he should be in the mode of making fans right yeah. now, not trying to charge him. Oh, uh, we just uh, need to amazing. do a Jeff Jarrett trick and just Instagram sort of basically bundle him and force him into a photo, like a media con. Do a Matty Edwards. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, I made up. You got to have a chat with him about his Instagram, though, Joel. Hopefully, he knows uh, how good that content. Didn't appreciate the numbers I got up for him, though, did he? And the attention I brought to his bloody Instagram. We started. He started posting pictures of roasts the other week. I saw. Was it last I week? Saw. Just, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's, he's going for the, uh, the Apple audience. <laughs> JP could get him round. Oh, Bosch bit of Tokyo Dome round. They were great. I can't. Well. He'll probably he'll probably want to charge me more for the privilege. Ah, well, you're on one of these next year, mate. You think of me when you're there in this roast. <laughs> <laughs> While stealing photos on, 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 on the sly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, yeah. the show itself. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, the yeah. show, yeah. What do you think of it, the women's match? The really good. Best yeah. women's match in retro history. Mm, I don't I think they, they've ever come close to this level. Yeah. Um, Tessa Blanchard's awesome. Her and Neo Shirai, for me, are the two best women's workers out there. Chris, her execution's great. Mm. Everything she does looks really convincing. She she knows her character. She's got presence as well. I was impressed with Giselle Shaw. She's really got over on the night as well. I could do about that weird twisting. The scorkscrew, yeah. Other than that, everything else she did was very good. One of the things you could tell, and afterwards they were were together at the merchandise table, is that they're clearly like big friends. They were kind of really laying it in. So Tessa had like stuff that looked like the makings of a black eye. Gazelle Shaw was bleeding from the mouth. And it was, so it was a lot more kind of brutal for it. And Tessa gave Gazelle Shaw so much sort of really went out there of going like we're gonna gonna work hard to kind of make a name for her here and it works. Mm. So for me, if yeah. you've got Gazelle Shaw for a bit longer, I could do a lot worse than put put the belt on her. I mean it's kind of stagnant as, as it is, but there's clearly who's, something who's the Rev Row women's Zoe champion Lucas. JP? Zoe Lucas. Is I it? Is. Fuck I had no idea. Uh, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think oh, start fuck. yeah. Possibly. Oh but I I was banging to this one as well. Like Tessa is one of my favorite acts in wrestling right now. Like, say so she, she I, I, she's a reason I wish I was watching more Impact mm. Weekly. Um, I know that they the, go. The, I mean, they're definitely building to. I think Aaron, Sammy, aren't they? Are that, is it the January, yeah, the January. So she's gonna be headlining up? a pay per view. And I don't know it's it's yeah, Impact. They're probably gonna though, put her over it? as well. Get her an AEW. Get her in a relevant promotion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we said that, didn't we? Aaron and Jordan Grace, like, uh, they are no-brainer pickups if you're AEW. Like, the, the state of their women's division. Get I did ask her that. Would make I, so just, I, I just, I just, I'd had a drink. So I was like, are you, have you, um, you get a con- um, have you had any word from sort of AEW? And she goes, oh, well, I've got a contract at the minute. Didn't sound necessarily like she was too in love with the idea. What did you say about a path. pile driver, mate? I said, yeah, you need to be an AEW so you can do a spike pile driver, driver to the floor with your dad. Have him jump <laughs> off the step. She laughed. 
But then again, yeah, and that was it. Now walked away. That was that, that was as good a line as I was going to have. Walked away happy for that. For that we were telling place. all the wrestlers what they need to do last night, weren't we? So, like we bloody should. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Listen to us, and your careers will be all right. I think. <laughs> good lads. Uh, now they have a chance to chat to Amazing Red. Anyway? I didn't see him around. No. Yeah, that was a photo yeah. I wanted. Uh, reason I came down, like, I, to be honest, I gave the match four stars on Grapple. I think that's like a little bit lie, but I think it's probably a three point seven five match. If people, I went for the, the three point seven five. I thought it was a good mm. match. It was really good. I thought it was really good moments. Big oh, yeah. spots it was, built too well. The was, code red stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really well oh, done in the match. That was probably the most memorable sort of moment, apart from the big Oku win of, of the night, if anything. Yeah. So, I thought they worked out oh, really yeah. nicely. That, yeah, getting that. Got, like, I moved up closer to the ring for that one just because I wanted to like take this in, like see a red light. But getting to see him, getting to see that big code red near fall, that huge uh, sent on he did. Yeah, the one, the one in the corner. Back. That was what I was scared yeah, for a minute. That was nuts. But, Oh, fuck me. But he was well yeah. up for it. And it was, you know, I, I went in with tempered expectations as well. I went in knowing I'm seeing someone who's, uh, you know, it might not be a lot to a lot of people as far as like an early, an, in early indies uh, legends, you know, in the early mid, to mid 2000s, like amazing reds as far as influence and style and even just moves that everyone stole from him. Uh, I think he's a, he's a big footnote in, uh, yeah. in indie wrestling history. So I was there to just to get to see him. But I haven't seen that, you know, the Osprey match that was like, you know, you know what you're getting with Amazing Red at this point in his career. He's still going to do some of the crazy stuff, but you're not get. You're probably not going to get a five star match because you know, considering the, you know, the injuries he's racked up over the years. Plus, he was never really a five star match wrestler. He was more of a big moves mm. match kind of wrestler. I went in with that expectation, and I got what I expected. I got a three point seven five to four star pack match with Pack doing cracking heel work and Amazing Red. You know, hitting all his big spots uh, in between it as well. Like I say, Pack being the most dastardly uh, bastard in the building as well you know lapping up the the big victory and red getting a you know a lovely moment at the end and a big ovation from the crowd there for me i got what maybe didn't get more than the, the what i paid for but i got what i paid for there and it was yeah for that for for as far as like a for me like a, a one matcher draw for a show uh, this was well worth the trip just to, to get to see this thing the only thing that could have made it better in my eyes i'll be honest if don west was with him yeah <laughs> And the SATs, got to get them out there too. Uh, Don is the cheerleader on the outside. We should have been at the back chanting, uh, go, go Red, go. go. We really yeah. should have got up on some chairs. I just want to see you meet Don <laughs> West, if I'm honest, JP. I'm well up for that. Well, well up for that, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, would you agree, JP, as far oh, as yeah. a match? One to, to watch on VOD, but not one to, you know, you don't expect more than No, exactly. Uh, I think you're, you're both kind of right. 3.75. There's a lot. Of, I'd say but, as a show, if I, I'm rating the matches earlier, everything was between three and four stars. Yeah. I, I think I went four mm. stars on the main event. Everything, every, every match was good on this card. Mm. I got my money's worth. I was happy with it. I'd say the, the this the red pack match the Giselle Shaw Tessa match mm. were at sort of that three point seven five level when I went four on the main event because I thought they built really well to the big Oku moment as well and I, I was convinced Phantasma was winning at one point mm. as well so yeah, mm. yeah yeah I was glad they kind of Did, pulled the pulled the trigger yeah well I only like I say I only saw, I saw like the pack disqualification mm. and that was about it but i saw a lot of people complaining about the main event being overbooked uh 
Are you guys not uh, subscribing to that? Uh, no, I thought it was good. I thought um, it worked. I thought the crowd were with it. I thought Oku was really over. Yeah. And I thought they managed to get Oku really over. And it's a main event where you're trying to get someone over. And it's for something of, I'm not going to say it's major significance, relative significance. I think you can do overbooked, especially when the rest of the card has kind of been quite conservatively booked. Yeah. So one over the top main, main event with a little bit of overbooking. I'm absolutely fine with that. It worked on the night. You got the Oku pack angle at the end. Oku, I think, is improving all the time. I think there are still things that he needs to improve on. Intensity between big sequences and big moves isn't quite there yet. That will come. And if he's working with Pack and have packed your call, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm confident. I'm really confident that Oku's going to get somewhere. I think we, we shouldn't be rushing him and we should give him a little bit of time. He's still very young mm. and he's kind of had to make the step up this quickly because of the kind of problems in yeah. terms of depth in British wrestling at this point in time. But nah, there's a natural charisma there. There's a natural likability mm. And it's nice to see what he's been able to do in the last nine months or so. And he's made the most of the opportunities he's been given. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a shame because I would say if, if there is a criticism really of the show is I think a lot of the first round matches generally went too long. Like all, almost thinking of a think piece just called the lost art of the sprint. Just have one or two matches go four or five yeah, minutes. Yeah, like Robbie Eagles and uh, yeah. was it Babaro Cavanaria. I'd yeah. like to have seen that go seven minutes, just balls to the wall mm. action. Whereas, uh, it was a good match. It was yeah. a bit long. Oh, yeah. Good spots. Yeah. The big spots yeah. in it were great. You know, Kevin Ario trying to kill himself uh, on the yeah. f- going off the top rope to the floor. The, all that stuff. You could keep it, just do it in a more condensed that's, measure. I'm not going to That's it. Really. Uh, but in terms of that main event, you mentioned about Oku as well. One of the interesting things, he, he's starting to fill out. It's like that process is starting mm. to begin. So you can see the kind of work. roast dinners he's eating. It is those roast dinners <laughs> and weights. That's what he's <laughs> on. Do you reckon he had one yesterday? I hope he had one when he got back home afterwards. He'd more than bloody earned. I can't have a before. Remember what I had yesterday? No, it was. No, you don't remember what I had yesterday? Oh, what, the salad? Yeah. Yeah, in, in um, Spitalfields <laughs> Market, Beno. Where was Hope. this? Lovely. Oh, I missed out on that. Lovely. Really I, good. I went, I had a, what seems to be my wrestling sort of snack of choice, which is like a, a big sort of a falafel wrap. Do you think that without Michael Oku fill out? I don't think he would do, but it was nice. And if he's well, he's not gone vegan yet, because he likes a roast, so it's a moot point. But if he does, he'll be on them all the time, I'd imagine. Anyway. If anyone cares, I had some wasabi soup. Did you, yeah, you ate that in the Rock pub as well, didn't you? Washing it down with some with some decent beer. Um, <laughs> um, but I was gonna, yeah, just going to say one point about Mike, Michael Oku as well. <laughs> it's almost all over the place but it's just that you talk about Amazing Red why was Amazing Red so popular it was the fact he was like the the eternal underdog and looked like it as well Oku in a sense it was kind of nice because he has that kind of complete charisma and vibe that pop at the end was really was really big for him as well and they had the confetti coming down and then a post-match angle with Pac kind of beating him up and throwing down the trophy clearly obviously building to the next Your Call show all of these things, I actually think they're at a point where with the Cruiserweight title, obviously Phantasma is effectively in Japan now. He's moved there, isn't he? Or he's mm. certainly in the process of that. So you need to get it onto someone. It's the Cruiserweight title. I think you can get away with putting that onto Oki. It was too early when they put it onto Curtis Chapman before. I don't think it's too early for Oki. No, not at all. And I think they've let Phantasma take a fall to Oku. Yeah. Surely they'll let him do it again. So I think we're going to get the pack match. I hope he wins, but anything can happen in that. Yeah. And I think you get the Phantasma match of the next big Rev Pro show. Yeah. And it looks like from what Osprey said last week, 
he'll be over for those shows. So I think we'll get Oku Osprey at some point as well, which will be, you know, biggest match of yeah. his career at that point. Massive opportunity. So, yeah, it looks like 2020 could be the year of Michael Oku. Yeah, and, and you know, and if it, if there's lots of big Osprey matches, maybe I'll never say never on making a trip down. But you know, mm-hmm. well, actually, one thing we didn't mention there, the you know, big match that, that it's not going to get me down. But you know, Curtis Chapman and Minoru. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's got to be a murder in it. I, I was, I, I, I definitely saw some grumble from some people, but uh, you know, I, 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 my first instinct was, nah, there's no way that's really happening. But actually looking at it now, what else are they going to do? Maybe it's a, the state of Red Pro. What else are you going to do with them? You might as well have them out there killing Curtis Chapman. I just wish maybe there was a, you know, a Curtis Chapman match on this show rather than a video. And maybe we got a bit more of, of this heelish Curtis Chapman, you know, in, uh, in Red Pro in general before getting to this match. I would normally say so, but they never do stuff like this in the, in the arena. No, so, they're used to it. They haven't done it for a yeah. long time. So it felt kind of interesting that they'd gone down that path. And it did get that that type of reaction, him lay down on it in front of a, like a fireplace with his with his white socks on. It got him, got him across as more of a geek, I thought, yeah. on the video, yeah. And it feels like there's that the kind of what is the Mad Kurt meets the... Um, Mad Kurt persona, which also meets with the uh, keyboard warrior type kind yeah, of aspect, yeah. which is going to be the thing that he's going to start making a name. It should have happened doing. a while ago in Red Should have done, yeah. I think they were too slow on executing this stuff. And I think this will be the confirmation of it. And yeah, he's going to get killed. I'm kind of fine with that. I've seen Suzuki enough times. Mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing Suzuki kick ass. And you know what? I don't condone bullying, but when it's performative bullying <laughs> in a wrestling ring, I'm kind of all right with it when it's Minoru Suzuki yeah one, one other thing I want to notice as well before we move on from this show Joe I got to see in real life for the first time ever the JP jig because <laughs> when the uh, when the Kings of the North music hit and they stepped oh, out my first thought was how's, uh, how's JP taking this looked over I could see him jumping up and down <laughs> clapping his hands you were a very happy Irishman in that moment JP yeah I was and it's funny because they're not they're not the greatest team by it any kind I mean, of the show should be failing. And yeah. the, uh, the guy who is, yeah. wasn't Corvin not there, or was he there? There was one of them who was missing. No, there's normally th- well three of them, but these two are like normally the tag team now. I think. Oh yeah. Team, yeah. So it was, you know, it's fresh blood. It's something different. The crowd didn't know who they were apart from there was um obviously over for the weekend. And we were speaking to everyone. There was a large contingent of of, of fans from over from Ireland, so they were mm. getting a they were getting a bit of a reaction for that. It's it's something that's kind of adding to the card. It's people who are relatively local or perhaps aren't being underused. I don't know. I'm all right with it. I know you two aren't, but what the hell? Look, it'll be a bit of ass kicking, a bit scrappy. I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine for a yeah. month. I'm sure it'll have had a few as well. Yeah. And, you know, Grey O'Khan, Rampage Brown, the Legion of Lords, uh, what's his name? Gideon Grey out there. I'll enjoy it on some level. Exactly. Yeah. Char Sandwich has done some garbage brawling with him in OTT before, and I've got enough out of that, so whatever. Yeah. yeah I've heard people kind of saying, oh, I'd rather see like the more than hype lads over. And I would too, but I do think there's something to be said with, for these kind of maybe more fitting uh, what that Rev Pro tagged division yeah. is right now. The big beefy fuckers. Exactly. Here. That's what it is. See, so kind of good with that at the moment. But. It's, uh, you know, I'd like to think they're open-minded to getting more than hype over. I'd like to see Scotty Davis over at some point as well. Yeah, that would be, one. you know, that's where it needs to kind of be. That There are some still some good workers around the place. And that's kind of the route 
Get of, these young guns, fellas, in you yeah. were saying about. They could have a good... Uh, Certainly, mm. if you're doing the shows in Sheffield, yeah. if you're doing that as well as part mm. of, you know, after taking over Southside, like, they need to be thinking around the country and not just the people who are on their own doorstep or necessarily through the training school. Although, Brendan White, Ren Narita, that was perfectly fine. As a young Lions I type of match. that even happened. Yeah. Unnecessary. Should I would say, looking at the time constraints now, would agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think that wraps up RevPro. And we're, we're at the two-hour mark, and I'm sure we all want to get to bed. So <laughs> very briefly, I mean, we'll go, we'll go into it in more detail next week. Feels like a million years ago, but there was an AEW TV this week. Uh, any big notes on Phoenix that? Nick Jackson was a Phoenix stunning match that I was blown mm-hmm. away by. I absolutely loved it. It's the best match I've had on their TV so far. I've seen a lot of wrestling in the last week or so. That's the best match I've seen still in the last week or so. I absolutely loved it. The crowd were great. Phoenix is just incredible. Mm-hmm. I think Phoenix, if, when I do my rest of the year, I think he's got a place in the top three. Not necessarily yeah. because he's had lots of studded matches, but every situation you put him in, every uh, sort of lineup you put him in, whether it's a singles against a big guy like a Walter, whether it's against a tag guy like a Nick Jackson, whether he's in a tag team match, whether he's in a gimmick mm. match, like the ladder matches he's at, whether he's in a six-man tag, this guy delivers everywhere. Mm. He's so diverse, but has got his own unique style that he gets over in whatever environment he's in. What a great wrestler he is. And mm. I hope we get more Phoenix in singles matches in AEW because... You can tell how excited I am. Gone yeah. midnight about this and depressed thinking in two and a half weeks we're going to have a Tory fucking government, which um, I'm having like sleepless nights about. Seriously. I'm having like, like waking up in the middle of the night thinking of Boris fucking Johnson and all the rest of the evil bastards. And it, it's not nice. Watch Pretty Patel's speech about um, the underprivileged people in poverty last week. If you're thinking about... Um, voting Tory or Labour because she's a vile, vile person. Although incredibly attractive. Um, and, yeah, just vile. How have I got on from Phoenix to Pretty Patel? <laughs> <laughs> Shows you how my mind works. That's the show. Uh, yeah, Phoenix can get me for a few more uh, weeks while I'm fearing this Tory government, which we're inevitably going to get. Carry on. What a fucking brilliant match. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was great. And I really loved uh, Darby Allen. It was Moxley very as well good, yeah. Mm-hmm. the main yeah, event. Yeah. And, and you know, this came in a week where people at the headline is AEW lost to NXT in the ratings, lads. It was like 23,000 viewers. Like, if you know anything about how these ratings boxes work in a house, yeah. like, that's probably half a person in one household who didn't have to happen to be They blew the their time. entire load in order to beat them. <laughs> they did. It's a, but one big benefit, one big positive, sorry, noted from the Observer, you know, the way Meltzer's doing his 15-minute ratings things. Last time Darby Allen was on TV in a in a prominent match, it didn't do too well, the Jericho match. This one held up, and I think that says something for how they've, they've presented him, and, you know, I was critical of them keeping him off TV for four weeks. Still might not have done it myself, but as far as, yeah, getting somebody over, you're starting to see the kids in the crowd with the Darby Allen face paint yeah. and stuff now. And if he puts in more performances like this, and Moxley should have won, you know, Moxley's the big star right now. Allen's time's going to come later. But as far as like a showing for him, you know, even just from the start, him jumping Moxley, you know, on his entrance with the big dive, they, I think they've been doing, you know, when he's been on TV, they've been no perfect with Darby Allen. And I think they've, they've genuinely got a, they're going to have a big star on their hands with him. Uh, I think I'm confident saying over these next couple Yeah, of I'm hoping that Darby Allen is to AEW and the younger audience what Stormzy hopefully is to the Labour vote at this current. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, 
<laughs> of those matches or anything to do with uh, AEW. I'm, I'm looking forward to Scorpio Sky, Chris Jericho. Um, like you, absolutely ah, love yeah. that opening match. Good, job good segment, that yeah. promo as well. I thought it did well with that. I thought it did a really good job in terms of building him up as well. Jimmy Havoc shit. I was going to say. That was crap. Yeah, you have a staple as well, eh? Yeah, go on, you have a fucking stuff. Shut up, get tosses. Fucking. No, he's been fine now, Joe. $10,000. Uh, yeah, uh, Legit. No. <laughs> no, then. They're playing it up on Twitter that he gets fined every time he uses a staple gun now because he's a he's a right wild card that Jimmy Havoc. And you know, to be honest, you know what I hated more than that, and I love him. I really didn't like the Billy Gunn stuff. Yeah. yeah. At the end, like he's this big star, three feet taller than everybody else in the match, including you know the supposed big wrestlers in the match. Like that was like that was basically. Billy Gunn and a bunch of Mark... Uh, I keep using the Mark term with wrestlers, but I think it's something new. But a bunch of Mark wrestlers bumping around for him and treating him like he's this big star. At the end of the day, lads, he's Billy Gunn. You know what I mean? Like, even even New Japan didn't do this when he was in the Yeah, th- this is the thing. Uh, and it kind of bothered me about the mat- that match as a whole is it didn't need to really exist. Look, watch, the whole ring stuff. Could have just led to MJF versus Page. Watch Edge's prime after he wins the King of the Ring in 2001 where he talks about Billy Gunn won it in 1999 and he managed to suck and blow it exactly the same time. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk before we... Uh, uh, can I talk about how much I want to go to bed? <laughs> oh, and register to vote. <laughs> it's become a running theme. Like and vote the right way. Don't waste your fucking vote. Please, Will. I, I need to have these sleepless nights. Please, like Will, I'm you're lovely. Don't do it to us, mate. I would say register the vote. Uh, check out Mark Buckledy's post column. Um, watch the um, the job. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, the John Briley. Uh, have you seen it, Joe? The uh, NXT UK yeah. production video of him uh, doing his little mini Vince McMahon uh, isms yeah. on Vice. Hunt that down and watch that. Maybe we can talk about that in more detail next. I never thought John Briley would be the next Vince McMahon, but I think it might Fuck be off. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, he, he 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 false advertised Tony Storm for two days, so you know there's uh, there's. Oh yeah, there. that show looks shite, by the way. <laughs> the yeah. progress show, yeah, I'm not. I will be uh, running out to check that out, but yeah, check all that stuff out. Uh, also, as well, best wishes to Alan Farrell as well. Who's, yes, uh, he was in uh, hospital yesterday, wasn't he? JP, uh, I believe uh, Sarah put on Twitter today that he's uh, he's home. And Excellent. He's uh, or at least he's a uh, he's a. Uh, Quite uh, happily talking and apparently shooting and burying people from his uh, from his hospital. We'll bed. cheer him up tomorrow when he back. sees this is up and he has a good listen. I'm sure. Yeah, good lad. Get get Love get Alan well Farrell. soon, Alan. Definitely, definitely. But uh, anything else to plug, JP, or I'll be out. No, that's it. My Twitter. Oh, you're on BWE this week. Does that... And sorry, you're on. BWE that was it this week, on BWE that. this week. Um, yeah, while you're uh, off off having having the time of your life. Um, are you you're, are you on BW? You're not on BWE this week, are you? I'll be doing. A, probably I'll be sending in right. a bit of a segment. Uh, so you can uh, people look forward to that. But yeah, I'll be in Berlin. Yeah. Not, I'm, at, I'm on Twitter at JP Jippy. Three E's. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Grapples at Grapple App. You know where to download it. We'll be back next week.
It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com